On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are heading back in time with a time traveller's wife on Sky, stepping into outer space in Night Sky on Prime Video, and popping over county lines to hunt for the Essex Serpent on Apple TV+. Plus, 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 Joe Locke, the breakout star of Netflix's Heartstopper, drops by the show to talk about the impact of that show on young queer people and beyond. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your crystal ball scrying the mystic fogs of peak TV. And with me, as was foretold in the ancient prophecy, are my two co-hosts. First up, a woman who, much like Henry and the Time Traveller's wife, regularly finds herself flung back in time against her will, all in an effort to make her stick around 2002 long enough to start watching The Wire. It is the Swindon Avenger, Beth Webb. Oh, yeah, I quite like that one. <laughs> I preferred last week when you were too tired <laughs> slash rushed yes, to do the, anything for us. The but... incredibly laboured introductions are back. Sorry yeah. about that. Uh, and obviously, also with us is Pilot TV's very own Essex Serpent, the man, the myth, the legend. It's Boyd Hilton. Very good. Good. I am actually from Essex. I know. Yeah. Uh, yes. I know. Which yes. the listeners aren't aware. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, Ilford just... in Essex, no less. Oh. It's shall we say the less picturesque side of Essex from that is it? featured in the Essex Serpent. Is that is that what a lot of our listeners are made up of? Is it, is it the Ilford Hive? Is that yeah, uh, totally Ilford? Yeah. The, yeah. Ilford, the Ilford Massive. Yeah. 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 Represent a hundred. <laughs> I mean, I've already off air called you grandpa. Today. That's true. Yeah. That's You're true. Maintaining yeah. that uh, yeah. that style forthwith. Yeah, yes. absolutely. You know, trying to trying to be down with the kids. It's all yeah. good. It's all good. Uh, what have we been up to? Anything exciting? Interesting? Uh, well, I'm off to my first Empire can. I oh, see. Yes, I was going to mention this at the end of the show. I was going to say, of course, you will not be with us next week because you are making your way to the south of France for a kind of immersive cosplay Downton Abbey two event, which yeah. is what you're doing, where you head like the Crawleys to the south of France to swan around the Riviera. Sure, sure. I've I've not seen Downton, so I can only <laughs> sort of vaguely agree with you. You are the. Sp- Bitting image of the Dowager Countess. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but know, so, so okay. Oh, joking aside, so you're not, in fact, it's not Maggie Smith thing. is the Dowager Countess. Just, just in case <laughs> you're not aware. Hey, just in case you're hey, not aware of what James is saying. Like that's here. a bad thing. <laughs> no one should I mean, ever bulk a bit compared. She's about 103. She's still, <laughs> she's still amazing. Uh, yeah. So uh, absolutely. Yeah. So yep. you're going to Cannes. Yeah. Because you can, and. <laughs> That was full oh. Alan Partridge. That's yeah. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. back. He's back. He's back. He's back. Can, uh-huh. can. Doing the can-can. Yeah, that's it. That, I mean, because you can, can, can. Wow. Um, and, and what are you going to do? What are you going to see? Where are you uh, going to go? Well, mostly, mostly, oh, I don't know. You've caught me off guard slightly here because it's not TV. So uh, I'm going to see Elvis. You were about to say, yeah. you know, we like to talk about films. I went on a round about one last week. And, he did. You know, he did. It. He was wrong about a film just I was last week. right about <laughs> Doctor Strange and the Thing of the What's It. <laughs> Doctor Strange and the Thing of the What's It, yes. Yeah. Famous MCU instalment. Yeah. <laughs> so Elvis? Elvis I'm excited for. Going to see, I'll tell you what I'm not excited for, but have to see anyway, is the new David Cronenberg film, Crimes of the Future. Yeah. Well, but only because cause, cause of the apparently oh, terrifying... Yeah, he said that people are going to walk out after the first 10 Panic minutes attacks, or something. Panic yeah. attacks, brace positions. <laughs> I love the idea. Sicking up. Oh, I'm such a Cronenberg fan. I'm really jealous. Of, that's the one I'm most jealous of, that yeah, you're seeing that. Yeah, I, the poster itself is pretty grim. I will so. never watch that film. No, no, oh, you won't. I'll, I'll definitely watch that film. But yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, do you know, as soon as you've asked me, every single thing on my schedule has escaped me. But, but you're going to work um, on your tan... 
You're going to maybe have a you, paddle in the sea. It's yeah. going to be lovely. Are you ready for those 8am screenings? I can't wait. The funny thing is, as well, the ticketing system, you've got to be up at 6am yeah. to get tickets for four days. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. lively. Yeah. It's going to be a lively time. As I was saying before we started, I've been to Cannes once in my life. I covered it for Richard and Judy about 15 <laughs> years ago. Do you know who they are? Uh, Richard and Judy. Yeah. Have you heard of them? I have vaguely heard of the yeah. no, I do actually know who okay. Richard and Judy are. In fact, I could pick them out of a lineup. Oh, amazing. But, you know, much like Boris, I'm still not so clear on Lorraine. Yeah. So. But it was back then, you just had to um, get up at like 7 a.m. and queue up for the 8 a.m. screenings. Um, and it, and I have to say, I want to see Punch Drunk Love. I want to see the first ever screening of Punch Drunk Love in the world. And, oh. that, and it's one of my indelible favourite screening experiences of my life. Really? Completely incredible. Oh. And it's still one of my favourite films. It's I absolute masterpiece. Love Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. Can you imagine seeing it in the, in the gigantic the screen, gigantic screen in the big yeah. palais thing, whatever it's called. Oh. It was incredible. And then going to the press conference with um, Paul Thomas Anderson. Oof. And Sandler, yeah. So, yeah. so I think you have an amazing time. Well, I think that wraps up the privileged section of this week's podcast. <laughs> Let's oh, move sorry, on to Jane. what we've been watching. <laughs> you don't go to Cannes every year. So we're not battling out about Gels. who's got what press drop this yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> I got a saucepan from Apple TV+. All right, I see what you're saying. That is quite literally the pot calling the expensive saucepan black. So uh, let's let's maybe move on from that. Uh, What have we been watching this week? Well... I have been watching in a um, in a in a, we could this is one of those things where we could wait till other other things coming out. What do we call it? That section, other, other the also out section, also yeah, out, the okay. also out section. Um, Sorry, I know we cryptically named that one, but it's very cryptic. It's very cryptic. It's hard for me to remember these things. Um, but I thought I'd highlight it now because I think some things get lost in the in the also out section sometimes. So I'm because this was the possibility for us to review. Yeah, and I've watched it. Life and Beth. Yes, which and is, I wanted to use that if for no other reason than the introduction to that review could have been comedic. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. I say a, a, a big sigh of relief when we found out we're doing this this week because yeah. I do not have the time yeah. nor the energy. This is no reflection on um, the other shows we're, we're reviewing, but let me just say right now, we fucked this up massively <laughs> because Life and Beth is <laughs> fucking great. Really? Yeah. Because like, I made a, I made an audible on this one because I thought Night Sky, J.K. Of Simmons, of course Sissy Spacek, also yeah. science fiction, come on. Yeah. I mean, and on the other right. hand, I thought Amy God. Schumer, half hour comedy, kill me. Well, uh, yeah, it just shows your judgment. I never ever must remember to not trust your judgment <laughs> yeah. on anything. Yeah. Um, right. It's much, much more than a half hour comedy. Um, Amy Schumer, who I think has now become, I think I said this when she was on the, I thought she was fantastic on the Oscars, but I think she's now suddenly become one of the most underrated and undervalued. But, you know, she had train wreck and all that mm. period. She mm. was a massive star. Yeah. yeah. And she had a sketch show. And I feel since then, she's almost been like, Somehow, uh, somehow not. I don't know. She's sidelined a bit. A bit sidelined. It yeah. became quite trendy to sort of undercut her right. quite a lot and right. talk her down, and uh, because she's, you know, she's a controversial comedian, and I think because she was one of the big prolific female stand-ups, it, yeah, it became quite a trendy thing to be yeah. divisive on yeah. her. And I think it still is weirdly, mm. but I think this show is going to completely reverse that because it's 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 really excellent, and it's like. Um, all I'd say is it's based. It's partly autobiographical. It, she plays. She plays a kind of quite privileged. She works for a wine cup distribution company in New York. She's got a. She's got actually a bell end of a boyfriend. To be fair, I was going to say a bit quite lovely or sensitive, but no, he's a, he is a complete bell end. Um, and then she, this thing happens at the end of the first episode, which I will not. 
give away because it's a huge thing happens and that changes everything. It's so brilliantly done. Mm. She is phenomenal. She does this. It is really funny. There's really, really funny stuff, observations. There's a brilliant, the whole office life thing. It's got a kind of mini office vibe to it, the office stuff. Okay. Um, and there's a brilliant scene where the boss calls in everyone, which reminded me of the original UK office with David Brent and his famous, like, you know, speech that he's going to be fine, he's going to be all right, whilst announcing redundancies. And the head of the, the boss character in this show says, um, that that kind of talks about the mediocrity of them all. <laughs> they've achieved mediocrity, basically. <laughs> um, and it's a really funny scene. And there's a brilliant scene where she goes shopping with her mum, who's this kind of very interesting character. There's a huge thing happens, and then I had to carry on watching because it was so good. I only even t- thought I would watch one episode. Michael Sarah pops up as a mm. major character who's brilliant. Who I, I always love Michael Sarah, and this role is fantastic for him. David Burns in it. I, my favorite David person fucking in the whole world. Yeah. Off Talking Heads and Genius Fame, it pops up as the Doctor, as, as Amy's character's Doctor extraordinary it is honestly we should have done it and it is fantastic and I urge everyone to, so it's on Disney Plus I think on uh, from Wednesday right. I think that stuff drops on Wednesday that's yeah. me then that's me yeah. smashing the whole thing watch it yeah um, and then in passing I will mention um, I haven't mentioned it for a few weeks in fact I'm going to mention it in news Inside Number 9 this mm. series is absolutely on a roll yeah Fantastic. Next week's episode, which is called Kidnap, Kid backslash forward slash nap, is a kidnap caper thing with Danny Mays kidnapping Daisy Haggard and Jason Isaacs joins in as well. What a fucking cast. And it's a br- and it's got lots of split screen work in it. Yeah. You know, like often they have a kind of in quotes gimmick kind of and, and mm. so the gimmick of this episode is a lot of split screen stuff. I absolutely loved it. It's brilliant. It's one of the best episodes ever. And the whole series has been fantastic already. Um and there's like two more to go after that. Um so I wanted to mention that. Um and of course, uh yeah, they're my main things I've been watching. Amazing. I've, I feel like we're in such a good stride with weekly tally at the moment, which in mm. itself feels quite like quite a nice thing to say. Like I'm like purposefully waiting until episodes of things drop and then watching them, which is, is quite, it feels like a, yeah. again, bring back the privilege yeah. gong. Um, yeah, going back to my four channel roots and uh, Tuesday night settling down at 9pm to watch Derry Girls. Oh, completely. Yeah. This week's, so obviously we're all skew with, with the recording, but it was the adults episode where they go yes. to the school reunion. Yes. Um, school reunion's having a moment, aren't they? They you've really got are, the yeah. after party, yeah. you've got yellow jackets, and now you've Have got Have either of you Derry ever Girls. been to a school reunion? No, no. I'm 12 years old, <laughs> That's true, you've literally just left. Like, yeah. what would be the point? You'd be like, I saw you guys last week, what, what are we doing here? Um, uh, yeah, is it a thing over here at all? No. no. Well, I've been invited to a couple. Have you? I've snubbed them. Is that just because it. your TV's boy Hilton? I just couldn't face it. I had a university. There was a university reunion that I was invited to. And I generally was away. I would probably would have gone to that. Um, and I think my some of, some of my even like primary school. Ilford Jewish Primary School. Joking People invite. Yeah, I mean that was terrifying. I was like, nope, that's not gonna. Happen. The Ilford Massive calling you home. Yeah, no. yeah, um, yeah. So no, nah. no reunions. No. Big about you. Oh, God, no. no. I, th- I think it's very much an English thing that the second you leave school, you never look back at those gates when they close behind you and you are done 100%. Oh, I've been yeah. back to my um, high school, my grammar school, to give a speech about, um, like, stuff. Yeah. What was your speech about? It was about, you know, what my my life, my career. But the funny enough, <laughs> li- 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 I was bop- going on about, you know, writing about TV and film and being all creative. I'm not exaggerating. 90-something percent of the students were in sciences. 
that I was talking to. So not, yeah. not an ideal audience. It was no. not an ideal audience. And but this is a, the, the whole school has like become a complete specialist school for um, budding physicists, amazing chem- chemists, chemists, and whatever. And yeah. you're like, come on, we're heat magazine. And then been droning on about whoa, like TV film. They're like, whatever. We couldn't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I did that. I did. A, I did. I had to do a talk just during lockdown. A friend of mine is a teacher at a school in North London, and he asked me to do uh, like a speech for the graduating sixth form, like a, like, I guess you'd call it like a commencement speech. You know, one of those kind yeah. of things all graduating things and it was on zoom massive like the class must have had like 70 people like in this year like with loads of them on zoom and to say they couldn't give a fuck would be such an understatement one kid because obviously i could see their screens one kid was literally playing the guitar he was sitting oh, there that. playing his guitar with <laughs> his camera great. on in full oh, view just not listening so i mean funny. obviously i picked up some tips and that was Love handy <laughs> but but genuinely, like, I'm sure he wasn't hoping you were just going to join in. Maybe, maybe yeah, he was trying maybe. to encourage me to yeah. pull out the axe. Anyway, I seem no. to remember it was Beth was talking about the reunion Sorry. episode of, Sorry. of, of Derry Girls. Girls. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which Carry was on, brilliant. Yeah, Carry on, Beth. No, thank you. Yeah. It, it was brilliant. Yeah. It was brilliant. It had, um, it was, it was just so sweet. And I've said this, I say this every single week. I respect it ending. I am so sad that it's ending. Like, that just having that time spent with those characters who were always so funny on the periphery. And then getting their own story and the casting, because it obviously is told by a flashback as well. There's some really fucking good casting. Genius there as well. casting. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you saw them, yeah. you knew which character they were in the present day. It was so clever. Exactly. Yeah. And the mannerisms, it was just down. And the little kind of capsule jokes like all the men having the same suit because that one suit was on sale in their one store in their small town was was really, really great. Um Loved that. Better Call Souls, obviously, on yeah, Tuesdays of course, yeah, as well. Forgetting that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I'm going through that weekly at the moment and just, yeah, just, again, sort of bracing for that to end. Um, another great episode this week, although it's obviously not being as dramatic as the episode that's passed, which is very sad. What else have I been Oh, Barry. Barry, Barry, course, Barry, yeah. Barry, 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 Barry. <laughs> Barry forever. Barry. <laughs> Barry. So Barry. dark. Barry then. A lot of yeah. Barry. Hell of a lot of Barry. Yeah. Um, is that going, that's not, they didn't box set Barry. That's, that's going out weekly as well, isn't it, I think? Yes, yeah. because I think it's going yeah. out as, yeah, HBO showing it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. going to some really interesting places as they're, they're properly pivoting towards them being in the TV industry now. So it's this new kind of era. They, the Hitman yeah. stuff's kind of been paused momentarily while both Barry and Sally are now working on TV shows and some stuff's, happening in their relationship and it's kind of about how the industry deals with what they're seeing in that relationship and that's really interesting it's gone pretty dark even for Barry but in a very interesting topical way and I thought that was good yeah I need to catch up with Barry yeah. Just, uh, we should mention Derry Girls it's the, it's the finales this week the finales oh, yeah. yeah the series finale Tuesday the epic extra special one year later thing on Wednesday and I am hosting a screening with um, Lisa McGee I'm t- doing Q&A with Lisa McGee a screening for parliamentarians oh so what re- yeah yeah. That is yeah. interesting. I know. Is this yeah. a pilot TV branded event? No, if not, a, why not? It's, no, it's not. It's a um, <laughs> Channel 4 event. Yeah, they are, yeah, I'm fascinated by the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah. So I've, I can't wait to speak to Lisa McGee about 
you know, her decisions in this suit. Uh, just the fucking triumph that it is, this, this yeah. the whole thing. You can tell why she's finished it, really, because it must be exhausting because the scripts are so densely packed, aren't they, yeah. with funny stuff and moving stuff mm. and emotional stuff and relationship stuff and everything that they're just brilliant. It must take a long time to hone those scripts. And she, al- she always said she wanted to end with yes, the Good Friday Agreement. That was always the plan, that wasn't yeah. it? And also, lest we forget, Nicola Coughlin is literally in her 30s at this point. So, yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, she is my age playing a... 17-year-old. That's amazing, isn't it? I can't yeah. get over it. Although playing it very well oh, on my head. Oh, yeah. so yeah. much. So, yeah. 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 Very good. Well, look, so, Beth, I've got some good news for you. There we go. Uh, no, you don't. No, I do. <laughs> I do. I do, because Sad James has left the building, and all Picard has left me with now is cool, cold, hard rage. Yeah. I'm fucking furious. Oh. I, that, I, like, so I've now finished season two of Picard. Yes. I would use the word hateful Come on. to describe that. Come I on. fucking hated it. Oh. All the way through, I was sad waiting for it to rally, and then I watched the finale and was just Honestly, I I I I cannot tell you how much I've hated that season. Go wow. Off, James like, Day. All of it was derivative. <laughs> Almost every scenario, character yes. beat and everything has replicated from something before. The fan service was embarrassing. Yes. And in the final episode, there is an appearance of a character, and I have no problem with that character appearing, but give that person a role and not like a token cameo appearance. And then they've got this thing where because clearly they're all mates and they want to use the same actors, they've brought in the same actors playing different people and it's so fucking contrived. What? It's just so stupid. It's so annoying. And then and then there's a there's a reference that you see a file at one point and it just says, I, I'm, you know what, I'm just going to say what it says. I don't care if anyone hasn't seen it. It's not a spoiler. There is a file somewhere that says on it, Project Khan. And I literally out loud went just, oh, fuck off. Just like, stop it. Just stop it. Stop ruining this shit this is just oh my god this is like the worst cover version of like a song that you love you've ever heard this is like Alan Partridge does Soundgarden like it's just the worst thing in the world okay maybe that would be brilliant okay fair enough I'll take that back it's nothing like Alan Partridge does Soundgarden but genuinely like this upset me so much and the only and the worst part is it forced me to watch it all because I want so badly to watch season three because it has all the original cast in it so I feel like I had to go through this horror this pain to get to that point and like and I think someone actually tweeted me saying oh you know aren't you pleased that the last episode redeemed it no it fucking didn't no it didn't it was the rancid cherry on top of a festering shit cake I just no yes. wow. 100% wow. no 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 yes. no stop doing Picard wrong no your rage sustains me. It I has. Really feel like my like, Doctor Strange was nothing compared to I just, this. I just, mm, very unhappy. On a shit cake. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's Fucking what it was. Hell. I did not enjoy it at all. <sighs> Uh, on any level and just honestly what were they thinking then what what, 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 I mean I I, honestly I have asked myself that same (laughs) fucking question (laughs) with every episode that I've watched and genuinely I don't understand what happened Mm. because the writing even if you take out the fan service and the fact that it is derivative and the fact that the writing is so bad and the production stuff is awful like you have a bit where there are soldiers <laughs> with like with like with guns which have like green infrared like spot things and they've used those because they look a little bit like the ones the Borg have when they're looking through things and it's and it's just and there's just a bit where they're just waving these lights around so you can tell the good guys are in peril because there were just little green spots waving around on the wall behind them I'm like you go into a slightly Garth Marenghi place here and I'm not sure that's what you're intending like it's and it's so ham-fisted and there's this kind of redemption arc which which 
first of all annoys me because it is an absolute replay of a Q Picard redemption arc which plays out in the next generation where Q gives Picard the chance to go back and see if he'd made different choices you know can he come to terms with his past we've already fucking done that and now we're doing it again but it's so clunky it's just oh no just just a hundred percent no no, 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 no. Oh, yes. This is, as I said, if I sat here and saw you defeated <laughs> and like sad, I would yeah. not feel good. But you seem so alive, I've, James. I've come out the other side of this yes. now. I've come out the other side. It's I'm, yeah, I am not happy. It's a beautiful thing to behold. And, you know, and I'm not going to speak for Pilot TV's official Star Trek correspondent, Sophie Petzl, but I'm almost certain yeah. that she would have very strong feelings along the same lines, mainly because I followed along her live tweet to the first two episodes oh, and it was brilliant. something of a joy. Yeah. So, yes, she did not enjoy it. Oh, my God. Super. <sighs> however, 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 and I can't break any embargoes, but I will say there is more Star Trek coming next month. We didn't talk about this last month, that, that Paramount Plus have announced their oh, yeah. date, so it's the yeah, 22nd yes. of June, Paramount Plus. Right. All of the Paramount Plus drops in the UK on the 22nd of June. So, you know, whether it's Halo, whether it's Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, like, there's a lot of stuff coming. Uh, and I may or may not have seen some or all of that. And <laughs> I'm just going to say I am not angry about that. Strange New Worlds, which is uh, has been is is a episodic. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not wild about that aspect of it. I'm not right, going to lie, no. but but there's you know I'm excited about it. You know, yeah. well, you know, calm down, it's fine. <laughs> no, no, I won't calm down. I'm excited because I trust my own taste, and I am looking forward to it. <laughs> well, return like, to the original, yeah, well, and that's everyone knows yeah. best well, uh, well, iteration well, of Star Trek. I mean, that's just plain wrong. But but I no, I do think there's that sense that like it feels very much. To, you know what? It's, I was about to say, what am I doing? Like this is is it even embargo? Because it's, out, it's aired it, in the states, yeah, so think, I, maybe I mean, it hasn't. Although having said that, I did this before. I said this before when something yeah. was reviewed in the States and it turned out to be embargoed to okay. UK press well, which I, is the most annoying thing in the world by the way everyone yeah. listening all I'm going to say is from the trailer that I watched recently <laughs> the uh, I will say like it feels very much like a reboot of the original series which I think is what it's deliberately going yes. for and it's it's yes. the original That's series updated but still feeling like yes. that aesthetic perfect so. That's exactly what true Trekkies want I mean is it Boyd? Yes Is it? Yes I think we can all agree all next gen is where it's no, at No fuck that <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Anson Mount is fucking awesome. So, uh, okay, well, that's what I've been crying about this week. So, uh, shall we move on to this week's listener question? Yeah. And this week's listener question comes to us via Stuart Lawn. And Stuart says, now that Shooty has been named the Doctor and James is, quote unquote, probably going to watch it, who would the pod like to see as his assistant? I'd go for a sex ed double bill and pick Tanya Reynolds and or Simone Ashley. I mean, well, down that route, I'd say the most fun I'd like to see is Amy Lou Wood and Shooty Gatworth. We're yep. going to go down the sex education route yeah. um, just because she's uh, she, she's just an incredible performer. If we hadn't have had Billy Piper for Terry, I would have said Amy. I think a few people said Amy Lou Wood for that. Yeah, yeah. Because she can yes. handle an emotional punch. Completely. Um, as well as being just like tear-inducingly funny. So I'd say Amy Lee Woods. We've said her already in the pod today, but Nicola 
Coglin would be oh, great fun. Oh, cool. yes, she She'd would. Be very fantastic. Yeah. In fact, to be fair, any of them, any of the Derry girls, <laughs> including the wee English fella, would make a fantastic yes. companion. <laughs> Actually, Dylan Llewellyn is a good shout. He'd be great, yeah. He'd be good. Monica Jackson, I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. yeah, she'd be wonderful, but I think Nicola's got that kind of energy, like kind of high intense energy that I Definitely. think would translate very well. Um, and... Either or of the Demetrio siblings, I think would be great. Jamie mm, or yeah. Natasha Demetrio, I think would be really, really good. Staff, friend. let's Toddis. <laughs> yes, good. yes. I think I think either of those would be would be really, really, really great fun to have mm. uh, with him in this. So I've got a thought. I've got a thought. Go on. Hear me out. Yeah. Hear me out. Yeah. Titus Welliver. Now, oh. so the idea is, <laughs> the idea is, is, that the doctor goes to LA, picks up Bosch, and Bosch helps the doctor solve time problems. Like, no? All right, fair enough. So, just because you become, okay, okay. just because you exchange those with Titus Welliver, doesn't mean you can cast him in every random TV show that I comes to mind. can cast him in everything, though. No. But, okay, fine. And John of Hassan. Oh yeah, no, that's a good call. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. call. Again, yeah. because I just think no one does wide-eyed, shocked, embarrassed face acting quite like her. Yeah. And I think yeah. putting her in kind of crazy Time Lord scenarios yeah. give her lots of opportunity Absolutely. to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, and Rose Matafeo would be amazing. Oh yeah, she'd be, yeah, yeah. She would be good. Entry. Yeah, entry. I've got a whole list. Um, <laughs> of course you have. Yeah, but I think on that, because you've both, you've all touched on. I think a, a funny woman. Yeah. Would be brilliant. Yeah. I mean, they did Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate was a brilliant companion for David Tennant. And and um, she was much derided when she first started. But everyone grew to love Catherine Tate. Well, I did. And a lot of, a lot of fellow Whovians did. But in that in that kind of realm, I'm thinking people like Catherine Parkinson from, you know, from the IT crowd, etc. Absolutely brilliant in everything she does. Diane Morgan. Yeah. Imagine Diane Morgan, the legend. Yes, that yes. would be amazing. Um, Daisy May Cooper. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sophie Willem from your favourite Amazon Not Normal yes James Lydia West of course it's the sin I mean not an out and out yeah. comedian but she can do yeah. anything and she was rumoured to be up, up for being the doctor in fact one, one of the one of the in brackets revelations from the BAFTAs chatting to all the people involved in this and I think this was I don't think I'm betraying any secrets because I think it was reported <laughs> but somewhere else yeah. that they auditioned loads and loads of people for this role right? and he was very much late shooting up to was very I think almost the last audition yeah I heard this interview and mm. they included men, women anyone was auditioning and I wouldn't be at all surprised if pretty much all those people that were rumoured to have got it from It's a Sin did actually audition Yeah, in the end Shooty Gatwa just kind of got it because of his brilliant audition it's fascinating isn't it, that they thought they'd found someone yeah, yeah. until yeah. Shooty yes. came in and yes. they were like oh fuck them yeah. <laughs> we're going with yeah. him <laughs> I wonder yeah I mean it, it, these things very rarely come out but yeah I wonder who that was Kerry Godleyman from Afterlife Ricky Gervais' wife in Afterlife yeah, yeah, who's yeah, brilliant yeah, and everything yeah. very funny Hannah Gadsby yeah Australian legendary mm. comedian Hannah Gadsby yeah. Wanda Sykes. Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> We're going yeah. ambitious. Right, wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. fresh, just absolutely brilliant everything yeah. she does. Sure. Thank sure, you. Sure. Thank you. Um, and, but if they want to go with a fella and if they want to kind of build on, remember, let's face it, there has been sexual tension between the doctor and companions going back to David Tennant and Billy Piper, mm. famously. Jody, Jody and Mandip Gill. Currently, in what's happening as as Jodie Whittaker says goodbye to the Doctor, and these, is is that a this kind of these romantic feelings between the two of them mm. is flowering, and that's a thing that's happening, you know. And some people actually have an issue with that it's flowered too late and should have flowered earlier. Mm. Right. But nevertheless, that's definitely a thing. So if they build on the sexual tension yep. thing, then yep. who better 
than Russell Tovey to be Shooting at Worst Companion. I knew Russell Tovey was going to make it onto this list somewhere. Yeah, I was waiting absolutely. for Russell. Absolutely. <laughs> of course. That would be the in fact, my, that would be amazing. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Okay. I no, I can't argue I can't argue with any of this. Do you think they'll go with a single companion or another gaggle of companions? I think they might go with a single. Partly because if you go back to Russell's history, he had a lot he you know, he started out with Billy was a single yeah. companion. Yeah. You know. Um I mean he had kind of assorted Almost companions, regulars. He had lots of regulars, but actual actual companion was, you know, certainly started out that way. Mm. Um, and I also think, just just as a contrast, they tend to like, you know, respond. You've had the three and the four, these gaggles of companions yeah. in recent years. So I wouldn't be so as a reaction to that, they go with a single companion. This is never going to happen, and I don't know anything about Doctor Who, but I'm going to throw out there. Mm. Carrie Mulligan reprising her character oh, wow. from the Angels episode. I mean, yeah, that would be brilliant. Yeah, Ooh, blink from late blink. entries. Either or May Martin and Charlotte Ritchie would both oh, be really good. May Martin, the May Martin would be incredible. Yeah. Oh, Charlotte, Charlotte Ritchie, Ritchie also would be yeah. very yeah. good. Yeah, May Martin is in the new series, The Flight Attendant, of course, which yes. will be really yes, next week. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Yeah, which I've seen. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's embargoed, but yeah, yeah, and they, they are brilliant. I'd love to see May Martin again. In fact, that's a fantastic shout. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to end by saying Rose Leslie, just on the strength of something that we're going to talk about later on this, in this oh, show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I, Beth was really interesting. having none of that. Right. That, uh, what an endorsement. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, if you would like your question addressed on the Pilot TV podcast, please do send it over to us via DM on Instagram or Twitter at Pilot TV Pod. Time now, I think, for this week's guest. Uh, we reviewed Hardstopper a few weeks back, and since then it has become, I think it's fair to say, something of a phenomenon. Uh, with more than one listener, actually, and we've already mentioned this on this show, like tweeting us to say how much the show resonated with them personally. And now Hardstopper star Joe Locke, who stars as Charlie Spring, jumped on Zoom with us this week to talk all about Hardstopper, the show, what it meant to him making it, and what it's meant to so many other people since it was released. And he spoke to Sophie Butcher. Here they are. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I saw you at the BAFTAs on Sunday in your amazing yes. pink suit. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> you were presenting awards, you were ro- uh, walking the red carpet. What was all that experience like? That must have been incredible. It was very weird. It was very like, if you'd have told me a year ago I'd be at the BAFTAs presenting an award, I would have been like, you yeah, know, you're joking. Like, that's just not, no, just no. So it was. it was a very like, full circle surreal moment but it, it was it was it was great it was so much fun and let's talk Heartstopper so the reception to the show has been absolutely huge um how does it feel to be part of that is it overwhelming is it exciting is it all of the above I feel like yeah all of the above it, it's sort of like it's an incredible thing I feel like I've hit the jackpot my first job like I've always wanted to be an actor and I've always wanted to be in things that matter so I've done both of those things as like my first acting job is just sort of a bit surreal and very like very cool I think but yeah it's been it's been a crazy few weeks and I think the show we'd always seen the show as like our little our little thing and so for it to not be so little anymore is is quite a something to get used to but it's amazing that a queer show made by queer people for queer people has managed to slip into the mainstream Mm. and managed to become just another one of Netflix's shows that is getting in the top 10 and is is actually doing really well yeah, of course. And I mean, you say it was your little show and I guess it, it it felt like that when you were making it, but obviously Heartstopper, the novels had such a huge fan base. So did that give any indication yeah. to you that it was going to be that big or were you guys still thinking, we don't know how this is going to go down? I think I think it gave a little bit of indication that, I mean, at least the fans of the books would be really enjoy the series. But um, 
I never really quite understood how big the fandom was. I always thought it's just like a small but very loud fandom, but I've realised it's actually a very big and very loud fandom, especially <laughs> now. But so, yeah, I think because we had the cast announcement happened like a year before the show came out, we sort of saw that as like our mini, mini wave. Mm. We always thought it'd be mini, but wouldn't be that much minier, but it actually was very much minier than the, the big wave. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I think it was nice to have that to like get used to being in the public eye a bit more. And were you familiar with the um, Heartstopper graphic novels before you auditioned? Had you read them? I, I hadn't read them until I got my first audition and I read them all in one sitting. But I had a, I've got a friend who was, who's very much a big fan of them and was like, Joe, you really need to read these. And I was like, yeah, I will. I promise I will. I, I've got other things I need to do first. And then as soon as I got the audition, I was like, okay, I will read them all. And then I like was like, I'll read one of them. And then I read them all in like one sitting. Couldn't, stop, couldn't put them down. And I know the audition your audition for Charlie, it was an open casting call, right? Um, yeah, can you, it was. What was that process like? Can you tell us what the steps were with that? So they did the open call, which is like where anyone can audition. You don't need an agent. You don't need to have done any other acting work or be in the industry at all. And so a family friend was like, look, Joe, this is happening. You should put yourself forward for that because you are literally, that is you. So do it and I was like okay so I sent like my headshots into the casting director and they came back like oh we'd like you to audition for Charlie and I was like cool this is request is quite cool doing a self-tape and I, I <laughs> it was like a monologue it was the episode four monologue where Charlie um said oh I didn't mean to kiss you it was sorry mm. it, was a, it was a mistake sort of thing um, and so I did that and I did like 35 takes in my room just against the wall just sort of like and I was like I ended up picking, I ended up picking the first one I did which is obviously is ironic Typical. But by the time I'd wa- I had to get someone else to choose because I was like, I've watched them so many times. I hate every single one of these. And then I didn't really think much of it. And then about a month later, I got an email to be like, we really liked your self-tapes. Do you want to do a Zoom or recall with the director and the casting director? And I was like, yeah, I do actually. <laughs> yeah. Go on then. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, go on then, I suppose. So I just thought, oh, this would be quite fun. It won't really go anywhere past this. And then after that, it seemed to go all right. And they seemed to like me, which was nice. And then I did another Zoom recall with Kit. It was like a, a mm. Zoom chemistry read. I mean, me and Kit must have had such great chemistry they could read it from from the internet. Off the screen, but, yeah. Off the screen. So I did that, and then we end, then we ended up doing an in person audition in February, the um, in Windsor. So it was like first time we were all together in a room, which was quite cool. And then I found I got the part two days after that. So it was like a six month process overall. And it's like the whole cast is so great. Um, You and Kit and Will and Jasmine and the girls and everyone. And your characters are quite sort of disparate when we first meet them, like sort of this different like cliques of friends and stuff. But you come together into this really lovely ensemble and that chemistry is like so tangible. Um, How was it sort of getting to know everyone, even from that first read? Did that on-screen friendship come through quite easily for you guys? I think so, yeah. I mean, I saw it as like we were sort of, I mean, we actually were filming in a school, but it was like being at school, like it was our school year, but it was just like a small amount of us. So we all like clicked instantly. I think when you're going through such a unique situation, like being in a Netflix show together, you just create this instant bond. Mm. And especially like spending 12 hours a day with each other, um, we just instantly all hit off. And I mean, it's very good that we didn't all not get on because that would have been very unfortunate. But luckily <laughs> we all get on very, very well. And I would definitely say they're some of my closest friends now. And it's so nice to have them to sort of navigate this through because it's such like a unique thing to happen to people. Yeah. That to have 
other people who are going through the exact same thing. It's sort of a really nice, it's a nice feeling to have. Yeah, of course. I've watched the whole series, but I had to pace myself with it because I'm a queer person and I only realised that quite late in life. Um, And so I knew I would find it quite emotional as I was watching it. And Mm -hmm. that's been a response that I think has echoed around for a lot of slightly older people when they're watching the show. They feel it sort of represents an experience that you didn't have um, and that obviously younger queer people will have this show and they will get to have. Were you quite surprised that that was such a prevalent reaction to the show? And how does that make you feel about it, like reflecting on it now? I think I'd sort of been, I don't know what's the word, I hadn't thought of that reaction being a reaction that would be so universal to older queer people because I hadn't really thought of... I think I'd have actually thought of like an older queer person watching it. I think because when we knew we were making it for quite a younger audience, yeah. I never thought it would ever get big enough that other people would watch it, which is so great. And it's been so touching to see that like people have been reflecting on their own experiences and 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 showing like the damage that the lack of this representation, it only just being a thing that's happening now has damaged, like the damage that has done to people. I think that's such an important conversation that we need to be having. And it's so great that shows like Castle were able to be made now, but they should have been made 20 years ago. Yeah, of course. And like, as a much younger person than me, <laughs> do you feel like it's sort of the show that even you would have wanted to have a few years ago? Or do you feel like even for that young audience you were aiming for, that it delivers what you were hoping? I think so. I think, I mean, I, in a few interviews, I kept getting asked, like, what was the, f- like, your your heart stopper when I was growing up? And I was thinking, I didn't really, like, have a show that queer characters were the main and central. All the queer characters that I can think of were always supporting side characters. Yes. Who sort of were just there as a token character. So I think that it's so great that we have a show where the queer characters are the main characters that are pushed to the surface and that are pushed to the front. Because it's been so long in the trope in Hollywood that it's the sort of, like, the... The best friend or mm. like the, the comic relief. So it's good to see them at the centre. Yeah, characters. yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, of course. Uh, one of the things I really liked about the show was how natural and authentic all of like the social media and the texting and the DMing part of it felt. You know, when you like see yeah. the three dots appear when someone's typing, but then it vanishes. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think films and TV shows have kind of struggled to show that stuff sometimes in a way that feels real and feels like part of the story. But I think Heartstopper does it really well. With those scenes quite tricky to shoot, like sort of conjuring up all this emotion when it's just you and a phone. <laughs> those quite difficult. I mean, it was a lot of it was a lot of like, okay, so move your thumbs a bit. What, what, what anxious <laughs> thumbs? Okay, waiting thumbs, sort of like <laughs> very much direction. lots of thumb choreography. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because because the sound didn't have to be on, our director would be like telling us what to do with our thumbs. Okay, and now type a bit more. Okay, one more and delete it and send it. And then you're, but you're anxious to send it. So so it was very much a lot of that. But I think that what makes the social media aspect part of Heartstopper such so authentic is because Alice, the writer, understand social media grew up with social media and i think a lot of other dramas when it's an old white man um writing about the teenage experience he can't yeah. really quite get his head around it not that yeah anyway um <laughs> so i think it's 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 good that alice completely understands like the teenage experience and the teenage the fact that nowadays social media is such an integral part of being a teenager and mm. it, it 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 makes up quite a lot of how you talk to people in your day-to-day conversations with people. And so why why wouldn't you show that on the screen? Why wouldn't you show that? Because that's what's authentic. That's what's true. There are some really 
special moments throughout the series that really sort of got me in the feels and that everyone's loving. Um, when Nick turns up at Charlie's house in the rain, that really that really got me. Um, yeah. All the sports day stuff, and obviously uh, you guys on the beach at the end, which is just so such a lovely scene. What was your favourite scene to shoot, or your favourite day on set? I feel like this. My answer for this question changes every time someone asks me because a different day pops up. Oh, okay, so that's interesting. Like today, I'm feeling the. Um, <laughs> I mean, every day was amazing. And maybe not the rugby days. They were they were my least favorite. I would could definitely definitely say that. My most favorite, probably probably my favorite scene to shoot was actually the scene in episode eight with Tori when I'm on the drums and it's sort of like a brother sister bonding yes. moment. Because I just I just love Jenny who plays Tori. She's an incredible actress, and it was so lovely to be able to have a more like gr- gritty scene with her and to show that like bond. Yeah. But that was definitely my favourite sh- scene to shoot. Maybe it's not actually a happy scene in the show, but also my favourite day was probably one of the sports day days because we were all there together. It was like a big, it was right at the end of the shoot. So it was a big celebration of what we'd done. And we were all just having loads of fun and it was really warm. It was like 30 degrees when we were filming there and those scenes. So we just had fun. And I think they, um, they had an ice cream truck come that day to set. <laughs> so we all had ice creams at lunchtime and it was just lots of fun. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, Tori is such a great character. She's not she's not in it for like that long. She has like a couple of scenes. Mm. She just comes in as this kind of sounding board for Charlie, but she's like so great and shows his progression so well. Was that tricky to like bring that up with such little scenes to work with? Or did you find it easy to sort of bring that relationship to it? I think that that was all down to Jenny being both an incredible actress and a really lovely person because me and her just had this like brother sister bond literally straight away. Like oh. I just like like I call her my big sister now because yeah. we just get on so well. And she's such a loving and kind person and her heart is so big that it was very easy to sort of build that sort of relationship with her. And also she's just an incredible actress. So she was able to bring it with whatever little screen time she had to create an iconic character. Yeah, yeah. And so you're not turned around on the rugby then, quite like Charlie. You're still not a fan. No. <laughs> no, no. I, me and rugby are not best friends. Okay, that's yeah, absolutely not best fair. friends. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it was a great experience to sort of pretend I enjoyed it, mm. but we uh, are not not best friends. Not best friends. <laughs> that is absolutely fair. Um, yeah, me and sports in general aren't really friends. Do you know what? That's also fair. I'm with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> We know that in later volumes of the novels, um, Charlie starts to struggle with disordered eating. Um, and I found it really interesting, the really subtle glimpses we get of that in in the latter half mm. of the season when Charlie's starting to struggle. I was just wondering, those glimpses we get of, of Charlie's disordered eating, was that part of Charlie's development later on? Was that on your mind even when it came to doing it then? How did you approach um, those scenes? Yeah, definitely. I think it was a conversation that me and Alice had had. I saw it in the script because originally in the cinema scene, there's the part where Charlie looks at the popcorn and the popcorn was like an animation of it shriveling up. But I think that Netflix thought that was a bit too dark for that. And the episode itself is quite a dark episode in general. So that would just be another added element. Um, And any fans of the book would see the the start of that um, trope anyway. And so it was definitely a conversation we had and we started talking about what where Charlie's mind's at, the journey that he goes on, that if we were to potentially get a season two, would be explored further. 
And so, yeah, it was it was a conversation that me and Alice and Eros, the director, had had. We, it was definitely in my mind when we were filming it. Yeah. Okay. I think we need to wrap up, but thank you so much, Joe. It's such a pleasure to talk thank to you, you. And I love the show. Oh, thank you so much. Bye. Before we go back to the show, we'd like to take a moment to tell you about another podcast you might like, Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso. Each week, Sam invites actors, writers, and musicians to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you may not have heard from them before. He sat down with the likes of Kate Blanchett, Questlove, David Byrne, Nick Offerman, and recently, he sat down with actor and comedian Bill Hader. In that interview, Bill and Sam unpacked the films that shaped him, his winding SNL years, and how he arrived at the new season of Barry. Stay tuned at the very end of this episode to hear a preview of their conversation, and you can listen to Talk Easy wherever you get your podcasts. That was Joe Locke, and now it is time for news. It's funny, boy, that we spoke about bad education the other week, didn't we? Yes. Remember we were talking about yes. Jack Whitehall, and I was like, I've watched all of bad education. Well, it's almost like the fates were listening because we're getting a bad education 10-year reunion special. Are we not? We are, yeah. This was part of a whole tranche if I can use that word, of BBC Comedy announcements. There's a BBC Comedy Festival happening this week. Um, and the current head of BBC Comedy, yeah, made that announcement. Um, they're bringing it back. It seems like a good idea. Um, I was very much a fan of Bad Education. I thought it was very funny. Um, Jack Whitehall, etc. And then they're going to do, so they're doing a one-off reunion, and then they're going to do an offshoot spin-off with two of the students from now becoming teachers. Um, which does happen a lot, doesn't it? Like that. I mean, obviously, all teachers went to school at one point. But well, I mean, yes, Boyd. I was going to say you, you're familiar with the circle of life, right? Yeah. But I mean, in the same school, like that often happens. That you know, intriguingly, that the students at school end up teaching at their at their old school. Um, there's also the Detectorist is part of this announcement is going to be back for a one-off special. I've never are, seen that. It's interesting because a lot of people. It's kind of I, I really like Detectorist, but I never got obsessed with it. As a lot of people, for a lot of people, Detectorist is one of the great kind of you know. Undersung, undersung is that a phrase? Uh, comedies, TV comedies of recent years, and the people absolutely love it. And it was really, really good. It was mm. kind of, you know, it, it it was all about subtlety of emotion, all of that, and was brilliantly handled. Um, and the other really exciting announcement on the BBC comedy front was that Juice, which is Marwan Rizwan's um, series, which I think he was working on a pilot for, is going straight to series, and it's going to be a six part series. Marwan Rizwan is a hilarious comedy comedian and comedy actor and he's getting, I do like a comedy comedian com- comedy comedian <laughs> and his brother Naban Rizwan is, is going to play his brother in the show and it's all about him this kind of like guy who desperately wants to be the centre of attention um, as the rest of his family does including his mum which I think is being played by his own mum as well I think the whole thing sounds incredible and who's playing his boyfriend? Russell Tovey. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a dream. Man. It is a dream project. Yeah. I think it's going to be really funny because Marwan Rizwan is one of the funniest comedians out there. Amazing. Go back to Jack Whitehall. Have you seen that the After Party season two has started yes. filming? Yes. Which is very exciting to me. And uh, Ken, uh, Ken Jong is uh, the latest addition to the cast, which mm. should be fun. Very excited for that to come back, obviously. What have we got? Uh, Loki has got a filming date, although I take issue with it. And let me tell you why. So Loki has got apparently a late spring start of production date. uh, And that is June 6th. Now, how is June 6th late spring? It's not June 6th summer. Um, I think this... pick your battles, to be honest. Yeah. This is really bothering me. You're dying like, on. When's yeah. the... All right, ju- right, right, we can do this. I mean, there's going to be official start of summer. Hey, Siri, yeah. what date does summer start? Even she doesn't give a shit. Summer <laughs> begins on the 21st of June. Fuck! There you go. <laughs> oh, right. yeah, 
hang on. Isn't the 21st of June the actual summer solstice? Isn't that the longest day of the year? So summer starts on the longest day of the year. That seems skewed to me. Does I it not? I would be interested if this remains in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got to keep it in now. You've got to keep this absolute, like, you know. I, this has blown my mind. Like, in my head. The hole we're all being yeah. dug into right now. In my actually... head, in my head, like, June, July, August, mm. summer. Mm. September, October, November, autumn. December, January, February, winter. But all it is is really it's mid June, mid July, mid August, to mid September. Isn't it? That's what we're saying. I all think right. it, I think it actually. Makes if you sense. will have it that way. Yeah. Although you, do you know what? To bring it back to television, TV. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I got places to yeah. be. Can we not get? <laughs> yeah. TV season wise, you've actually got a point because the TV season in this country, anyway, which is known as the autumn season, which is the biggest, all the biggest stuff tends mm. to be arriving. It's kind of mid August. Um, so, you know, even early August. So, uh, so you've vindicated me on a technicality. I'm quite quasi vindicated. Yes, you. thank I you, mean, Void. I've been vindicating you, but obviously, right. yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm just enjoying the seasonal chat. <laughs> I do love a bit of seasonal ah. chat. Uh, what else have we got? So, did you watch the Westworld trailer? Westworld. Who 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 remembered yeah. Westworld was coming I mean, back? I remember it's been the, a while. the last season really fucking annoyed me almost as much as Doctor Strange in the Multiverse or whatever. <laughs> I wonder whether it would have annoyed you so much if you hadn't watched Devs beforehand. I do think that maybe ruined it for you a bit. Really? Yeah. Well, Devs was certainly an example of a brilliantly conceived and beautifully executed. <laughs> A show that was unbelievably complicated and ambitious, but completely made sense every step of the way. Unlike Westworld, yeah. which is right. a complete and utter horrific mess. Like Doctor Strange and the thingy of what's Oh my god. <laughs> there is a problem with these things where like what I remember about the last season of Westworld was that suddenly people's personalities became transplanted into other beings. Mm-hmm. Bodies yeah. and you didn't know, and they were like that. Every they, they were all like different people in like, different bodies. It was so confusing. Oh my god! And the whole spectacular thing at the end with the big thing device thing, yeah. the big uh, Deus Ex Machina thing, <laughs> Machina thing, Deus Ex Machina thing. God, um, yeah, it's just the whole thing's a blur. I watched all of it, but hate watched it definitely. Anyway, what, I really enjoyed season of three. You did, yeah. yeah, of course I did. Yeah. yeah, no, I liked it, so I'm really looking forward to season four. This was a great trailer. Like it was. I, mean, I have not a clue what is happening in it. Like absolutely none. It's like it seems to be like leaning into the creepy horror imagery. There's like a android girl with flies coming out of her mouth and like creeping dread on the ceiling. Like it looks a bit freakish, and I genuinely don't know who or Evan Rachel Wood is still around. You know, uh, but it's it's unclear yeah. to me what's happening. But I'm I'm pretty excited to see it. So and Ariana DeBose has been cast in a recurring role right. as well so oh, that's, that's a new addition that's a huge plus, um, plus a plus and a huge plus, plus. <laughs> and uh, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm still here for mm. Westworld although I'm going to confess I am going to need to go on Wikipedia and get a recap of what happened oh, previously I mean. uh, because I'm a little bit I've forgotten a lot because it's been a while like it has been yeah, a while ages, so uh, yeah but excited to see that uh, Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan are back with another one of those uh, what else is happening in the world well, we in should, spring and or otherwise. We should have mentioned this last week, but Inside Number 9-wise, they're doing an American version of Inside Number 9. Did you see that? No. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's, compl- it's, it's, um, it's the... Amazon, it's the IMDb TV. What's it called now? Amazon Freebie. Amazon Boy, Freebie. Home of Bosch home Legacy. Of, home, of, home of Pilot TV slash, <laughs> uh, <laughs> slash James Dyer event. <laughs> Bosch Legacy. Um, yeah, they're doing, they're doing an American... They're doing reworking Inside Number 9 stories for American audience. I mean, I, I mean, you know, it's not like it's in a foreign language. I mean, I was about it's, to say, why? Reese Shearsmith um, and Steve Pemberton are exec producing, I believe, but not they're not going to be in it, but they're kind of a bit involved. And I, I think Reese tweeted something like, you know, fantasy casting, recasting, you know, <laughs> t- commence. But what 
the, the what's weird about it, and they haven't confirmed that this is not happening, but is that what's what's unique about the British version, of course, is they are the creators and stars, yeah. somehow or other, of, of every episode, yeah, pretty much, yeah. And that's what makes it unique. So it's got their, it's definitely got their stamp on it, their unique kind of quasi horror, creepy comedy, yet comedic yeah. tone. Yeah. And, now, and and so are they going to have two people in every episode of the net? That I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like it comes slow. It just becomes another anthology show, doesn't it? You know, if they're just going to retell all the stories and completely have a different cast and everything. Anyway, that's just my, my, uh, Question. I have a question. Yes, go along with your question. Sorry, Beth. What is your question? I was gonna. I just wanted to ask Boyd if he's excited about this because I'm always so skeptical. I'm intrigued. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm Um, so skeptical about American remakes. Yeah, same. But this is from the people who, and this is going to tie into another my next choice of news story, which I I will reveal. Ghosts. The U.S. version of Ghosts is doing really well. I'm not surprised by that necessarily. I also didn't know it was happening. So it's happened. uh, Ghosts has become a network um, American. It's on CBS. It's a network show, and I'll be revealing in the next news item something about its ratings. But, but does it does it have the same? Because it has a very British sense of humour, goes completely. So has, has yeah. that carried across, or as have far they totally as I'm changed aware, it? Again, the British creators, that whole team, um, you know, the whole um, horror histories, all the ghosts, yeah, all the who write have are, exec, are involved in set producing mm. it. So I, I believe they've retained a lot of the tone, that tonal element to it. Albeit, obviously, in, in American. I mean, yeah. I haven't watched it, but by the so, way. So the question I have for you is: I understand why non-English language stuff gets remade made as English right. language because not everyone gets on with yes. subtitles yes. and sometimes the cultural barriers yeah. are maybe an obstacle to certain audiences. However, there's not a mass, there's not a light year between American and English. <laughs> no. We do speak, I don't know, the same language. <laughs> For what purpose do Americans insist on remaking English shows as American shows? Why not just I play think, the English shows? I think I think the world is divided into two types of people. Americans and non-Americans. No, no. People who, people who are happy to watch anything from anywhere, anywhere, in any format, and generally are open-minded. And, and the majority who really find any kind of other foreign, you know, if you like, um, stuff, yeah. they'd rather not do it. But is it. that foreign? Because like, we watch, we consume, and I mean we as in the I entirety know. of the British public, a colossal amount of American television. No one bats an eyelid, do we? We don't think, oh, yeah, need to remake NYPD <laughs> Blue in like, you know... <laughs> It's yeah, rich. True. Like, that's not yeah. a thing, is it? All right, Americans are divided into two. Yeah. Ones who are open to anything and ones that aren't. And because I guess the vast majority of middle America, they must have, like, stats and, you know, but my guess is that every single American TV executive is told that middle American will not sit down and watch some fucking, a bunch of Brits in prime time talking in their posh accents about stuff. <laughs> I thought Americans loved our accents. I thought that was the point. Well, they say they do. You know, they're not remaking, I suppose, I was about to say they're not remaking Downton Abbey, but I guess the Gilded Age kind of is that, isn't it? Isn't it, you yeah, know, in many ways. Yeah. But, but you know, like, they loved that shit. So you Well, think... they loved it to a kind of in a PBS pl- workplace. You yeah. know, that was on P- massive PBS's huge shit, but it wasn't on NBC or ABC or all that. It's very, very rare for any of the actual networks to show a British show just with Doctor Who. Doctor Who. No um, one's remaking well, BBC Doctor America, Who. You see. It's BBC yeah, but they're America. not remaking it in like with Americans, no, are they? No, but that's. Maybe there's a little show called Captain Space Time in a, <laughs> yeah. a show within Community. Which, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> which is. Um, do you know what? Like Queer as Folk, the American version of there's a new American version of Queer as Folk, you know, which is going to be on Stars Play. That's another new yeah. story. This is exhausting. Yeah. Um, so it, even like a show that's quite a kind of you know niche show in a way, mm. and a show that is not like going to is not ever going to be on 
on a network show. Even then, they're remaking. But that's that's a, there's that's a, there's old, a, I mean, it's yeah. I was about to when you're yeah. updating an older show, I kind of yeah, get right. that because and also that's very specifically about Manchester, which I guess wouldn't really work for an American audience. Sure. But I'm saying there are kind of certain things which are not geographically specific. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think the cultural barriers are. Hey, these those policemen don't have any guns. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. Like what? 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 No one is doing that. That is not a thing that's happening. Okay. I don't know what that accent was. So please just excuse me. I don't know what. I think a bit, a bit too, bit too oh, Stephen. I think that's go. that's the problem, Beth. Yeah. Isn't it? it's maybe like, I'm, I'm maybe he's proven that Americans yeah. will watch that people with spouting stuff. Hundred percent. Yeah. Front. Stephen is what's going to bring the English yeah. accent to America. But, but I agree with you. It is weird. It, it is, is weird. It is so weird. And like, like something like the Office US, like with that's a very different beast, isn't it? It took on a life of its own. It went in a different direction. He says, having never watched it. Uh, but you, you know what I mean. I mean it's like, a massive, that's an example. Like, do you know what I think? In 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 terms of comedies. What what they're really doing is they're taking the British a British great British comedy, which is never going to be more than at most, as we're seeing with Derry Girls, for example, yeah. three series, yeah. The Office two series. You're never going to get and they'll, eight, nine, yeah. ten, eleven yeah. series yeah. of twenty episodes a season mm. to turn it into a franchise. A whole massive so it's about volume. Yeah. It's kind of is about volume, yeah. Mm. So my 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 feeling is there. It's always the plan, certainly on network American TV, to turn these things into huge ongoing yeah. things. Whether that goes for Freevee, yeah, with the what we were originally talking about in some. <laughs> Number nine, I kind of doubt <laughs> mm. because that would be exhausting because that's a different story every week. But certainly with things like The Office, yeah, because there are only a handful of Office episodes, yeah. aren't there? So that isn't going to work for them. But yeah. do you think, like, the very dry English humour, do you think it translates yeah, well? I, do. I mean, there's this slight, always this idea that Americans don't get irony. I mean, it's fucking, it's, it's a stupid thing to say. Seinfeld is the most steeped in irony and dryness comedy you'll ever see right from the beginning you know Larry David's whole mm, yeah, yeah, whole yeah. oeuvre if I can use that word it's I, whole I do love that you're using oeuvre I've now. oeuvre <laughs> his whole tell us about the mise-en-scene yes his whole community thing is super dry sarcasticness I mean much more than anything I can't even yeah, think of it so yeah, that's, that's bullshit that that's whole fair. idea is bullshit alright I'll take it back but I think American TV executives are, wor- are worrying about the big mass market of you know certainly in the big network um, people. So that's why something like this is happening, I think. Yeah. But can I move, shall I move on to the ghost story? Sure, tell us the ghost story. Well, this is part of a variety have come up with a list of the biggest hits of of the year. Biggest TV hits of the year on network television. So this is so this is the non-streamers. But we're still in winter, according to James. So that's quite a, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, quite but that, an ambitious. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Exactly. James doesn't understand calendars. Yeah. We've established yeah. this. Well, this is for the end. The American TV season effectively ends as summer arrives. So they right. go autumn to summer. Right. In terms, of, so these are the biggest shows on NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox. Right. First of all, let me say this. Right. The top ten includes. It's pretty much generally like. All procedurals. You're going to love it, James. So number one is NCIS. Number two is FBI, which are both on CBS. Three is Chicago Fire. And let me just say six is Chicago PD and eight is Chicago Med. Christ. So the three of the Chicago shows, the Dick, Dick Wolf shows, literally practically every show is a Dick Wolf show, by the way, because Dick Wolf does as FBI. Um, four is Blue Bloods, still going strong. Oh, my God. These episodic the fourth, procedurals will be the fucking death of me. <laughs> Chris Hewitt's going to love it. The fourth biggest show on American TV is Blue Bloods. Five is The Equalizer. Also CBS yeah. procedural, incredible. Six, seven, the first comedy is Young Sheldon. So if anyone wants to tell you, do not spin shows off from other things, you know, it's the original bullshit. <laughs> the only way to make a hit show in America is to spin it off from something or other. Eight is Sugar Med. Nine is FBI Most Wanted, following on from FBI number two. And ten, rounding out the top ten, is Ghosts. 
which has become a real hit. A the American hit. ghost. The American, the American ghost. ghost. Oh, that's annoying. That's annoying. Well, I've seen one. Of, I've seen none of those shows to <laughs> no, be honest. Ever. Enough. I've never seen any of those shows. But I've oh, because all that's going to do is just stoke more of these remakes. Because I think what yeah. every American remake has tried to do since The Office is try and be the next Office. Completely. And it's just it's getting quite tedious now. <laughs> like I am. Yeah. Have they done this this country yet? Have they done America? Yeah, they do, they don't, yeah, yeah. That's, that's out, that's, is it? Out? Where's uh, this at? I think it's about to come out. Or it's in some Rust Belt. I should know that, but yeah, it, that, that has definitely been filmed. Yeah. I know that much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With Sean William yeah. Scott, do you remember we did the yes, new story? Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah, that's deranged. Stupid. Yeah. So do you remember? Like, and what what kind of blows my mind is when they do the American remakes and then the same cast members turn up like when David Tennant turned up in Grace Point and you're like that was bizarre you've literally done this why are you doing that was it again pretty, I don't think that's some, that's very rare well I Danny mean, John Jules was in the American Red oh, Dwarf as yeah, I recall I don't even want to yeah and like Joel McHale was Chris O'Dowd's character in the IT crowd the American no, IT crowd but with Richard I mean, Ayoade and we should never discuss the American cracker which was called Fitz and was just upsetting on every yeah, level no, yeah we're not, we're not apparently no. the American IT crowd was a disaster as well I've yeah there's a pilot out yes, there yes, somewhere yes famously terrible but yeah um, just yeah. to round this up by saying 13 is This Is Us. Is still, that's still huge, which is in its mm. final and that's, season. That, I was about to say that's ending. So. Yeah, yeah. Amon yeah. Warman wrote a, a very good article for Heat Magazine. In Heat Magazine, I saw that. It. Yes, yeah. I did. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, stop stop remaking. Stop, <laughs> stop doing it. Stop, stop, stop it. it. Stop it. Stop Americans, it. stop it. Well, we're getting American staff that's flats, aren't we? They're remaking that, yes, which they are. is yeah. stupid. Staff rents <laughs> apartments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Brad rents apartments. Yeah, it will something. be. It'll be Brad rents apartments, won't it? Yeah, oh, let's all watch that. Um, what else have we got? See, now I had a news story which I thought was interesting, but I wonder whether this is one where I need to save it for the Empire podcast because I oh. feel like I need to pick my audience differently. So this is all about Kamala Khan's powers in the upcoming Ms. Marvel. And Kevin Feige has addressed the fact that she's not all bendy stretcheroony with great big hands and stretchy limbs and yeah. her things are more cosmic. And he's saying, you know, the MCU, like her powers came at a very specific point in the comics. And so this is a very specific point in the MCU. So they've had to iterate who she is. So the big hands and stuff will be there in spirit, if not in actuality which I don't think is a bad thing but a lot of Miss Marble fans are quite up in arms about because yeah, they quite like her you should have saved this for the Empire. yeah okay <laughs> anyway anyway okay <laughs> fine I will pick my crowd um, anything else you'd like to talk about you see the Disney Plus in contrast to Netflix story that they've put on loads of subscribers they're having a wild time yeah. oh are they yeah. what are they up by Disney Plus um, they are they gained 7.9 million paid customers in the first quarter of 2022 they've now got 137.7 million subscribers up 33% year on year wow um, analysts expected them to net 5.2 million so they're way up on um, estimates and everyone's basically saying the results stand in contrast to streaming rival Netflix yeah um, poor Netflix I do, I do feel sorry for Netflix. Um, I mean, I mean, <laughs> small. A little, I, a think, little I think they're fine. I, I, yeah, I should, think we, be fine. should we get a hanky out for Ted? <laughs> That's us as well, shall we? I'll yeah. send him some flowers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Particularly for Ted, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically, they're doing really well, and their whole. And it's not really surprising, is it? I mean, it, you know. Of course it's not. No. No, they're putting out some of the biggest fucking yeah. IPs. They've got Marvel and Disney. Yeah. They're fine. It was always going to work. Yeah. Wasn't it? Well, it is definitely working. I can confirm. <laughs> yeah. Variety does confirm it's absolutely working. Apple, yeah. do Apple release? their subscriber figures 
Um, I don't know if they do. That's a good question. I'd be fascinated to see where they are because their game oh, has no. I'm just looking at so the story. Much. Streaming services that haven't reported any re- reach metric. Yeah. Apple TV Plus. Yeah, yeah. Because I imagine they have a, a small, a small the, following. The like, estimate is 40 million, roughly 40 million. That's what they say. Again, I mean, I, I reckon it's like small but growing. Again, yeah. just because of the quality of stuff they're putting out at the yeah. moment, I, I they must be getting more market share. And because we start, we never start talking about Apple TV Plus. The third biggest, the third biggest streamer after Netflix and Disney Plus, according to this article, is Paramount. Paramount Plus is doing really well as well, seemingly. Yeah, well, they're going to be come. They're going to come smashing onto our sets on the twenty second of June. Yeah, with Halo, Beth, and Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Are we doing that the same week? Oh yes, Beth. Oh suddenly. Oh yes. Suddenly, I'm. Oh sorry, Jeannie's going back. Jeannie's going back to Cannes. Suddenly, Cannes is going to a month long festival. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yes, we will. We will be doing this. In fact, they're dropping everything on the same day. It's going to make that week a fucking hell. What day is that? What day is that? What day is that? A day that you are free, Beth. I have a calendar. I have it all on the calendar. A day that you are free. <laughs> yeah, can I say now we don't have to review everything on it oh but we do no we don't we, we had oh, this with Apple do. when no, Apple TV Plus launched yeah. it was like it was like we had insisting like a Nazi that we had to review like <laughs> 10 different shows because they were all like, you just have to be selective but like to... but it's not it's like we could have not reviewed C is it Boyd so. oh god yeah <laughs> we'll do the Star Trek one and that'll be fine no we'll see you we'll can see. have either or I'm getting <laughs> yeah. more Hang confident on. in this Hang dynamic on. now <laughs> alright we'll have this discussion nearer the time I think that heralds the end of news so let's move on now to this week's reviews and we have three very very different love stories this week. Uh, and first among them is The Essex Serpent, based on the novel by Sarah Perry, which is Claire Danes as a widow travelling to the wilds of East London in search of the mythic beast, which is not, you may be surprised to hear, a euphemism for Tom Hiddleston's penis. No. For God's <laughs> sake. What? What? Wow. He is, his is not The Essex Serpent. Um, <laughs> he is, however, the show's hot priest, uh, and one that Danes' character is kind of immediately drawn to when she's not hunting down dinosaurs. Boyd, as an Essex boy, please tell us about this. <laughs> well, I think I alluded to this a couple of weeks ago when um, when, we, when we mentioned it before we knew there was an um, embargo that meant we couldn't review it last week. Yeah. But what struck me most about this series is that, and I think I've watched uh, four episodes now, okay. is that it's very Clio Barnard, I think. Yes. And I'm quite surprised. When they first announced it, Clio Barnard, who is a, you know one of the kind of foremost indie British uh, directors of the moment, having made films such as The Arbor, The Selfish Giant, Dark River, Ali and Ava. She has quite a kind of unique style and tone to her films, which is they're quite understated in a way. Yeah. Mm. Kind of a lot of handheld, a lot of rural things, a lot of water, watery things, um, <laughs> you know. And all of that is in this show. It's almost like she's found the perfect TV vehicle huh. yeah. for her skills. Yeah. Um, she hasn't written this. Is, it's adapted by Anna Simon from the novel by Sarah Perry, which was a big kind of word of mouth hit, yeah. uh, I believe. I haven't read it. So it's kind of like, I feel like it's really her thing, though. She's really stamped her authority on the show. And I think, you know, in terms of, like, comparing it to other big shows, other two TV series that have got a, a big film director on board, um, it's a brilliantly bold, to use my favourite word, of Apple to get her to do it yeah. and to allow her her to, her creative kind of imprint to be on it so clearly, I think. Yeah. Um, you've got Claire Danes and Tom Hiddleston. I think Claire Danes is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. In everything. Yeah. Yeah. She is brilliant in everything, but she does it. She plays an impeccable English accent for a start. She really does. Mm. And I, I, I see, I find that it's so unusual that yeah. you get Americans doing those proper, flawless, not posh, like the non posh, yeah. everyday yeah. English accents yeah. that just. 
work. Yeah. It's oh, really, yeah, it's definitely. To... I love it when that happens. Oh, yeah, exactly. yeah. No. Oh, my See, like, God. Stephen Knight does it brilliantly. Yeah. Stephen Knight, Stephen Knight. That like, Stephen Knight is actually English. No, I mean, Stephen Grant, he does it, he does it brilliantly. Stephen Knight of C fame, That's yeah. Stephen anyway, Grant. Anyway, um, yeah. Kira Knightley was, was originally supposed to play this character, yeah. by the way. And so, and I th- actually think Claire Danes is perfect for it. I can't, yeah. even, I can't quite imagine Kira Knightley doing a similar thing that Claire Danes does in it. I don't well, know. Well, they've just lobbed her in there because it's like a like a period romance. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, yeah. Who yeah. do we call? Yeah, we'll just call Kira. Yeah. KK. Yeah. Whereas Claire Danes been in a way it's very modern you're immediately thrust into this her, her life where she's got this abusive husband who mm. dies literally it's not a spoiler he dies in the first scene yeah. almost or yeah. second scene yeah. And, and, yeah. and happily so yeah happily so Hayley Squires is her companion who's basically it's like her best friend who like, kind of yeah. follows her around everywhere kind of looks after kind her kind of kid. works for her though right like it's not like they're not uh, is she a friend or I don't is she know an if employee that made clear. I don't know if that was made explicitly clear I but thought I, she was an employee maybe, maybe I'm wrong maybe um, she's got a kid um, who's kind of like troubled in some way seemingly or you know I mean his dad's died so well, it's yeah, and his dad yeah. was an abusive his dad asshole was abusive. so yeah, yeah exactly but basically she ends up going to Essex um, to investigate as a complete amateur this idea that there's possibly a giant sea serpent in Essex that is terrorising a, a, a kind of big village a big kind of a small town yeah. and all the inhabitants a lot of the inhabitants of this small town where the local um, vicar is uh, Tom Hiddleston Will Ransom and his family with his wife played by Clements Posey uh, can I just make yes. a Clements Posey and Claire Danes look startlingly similar <laughs> to the point where I got quite thrown at various points oh. maybe this is really? just me yeah. but I think they look a I lot alike you. okay it's just me it's just fine but there the were moments when I was like don't we what? James? <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean that's a bit weird but we'll go okay, we'll, we'll let you have that if yeah. you want um, then this kind of weird things do start happening yeah. in this in this locale in this Essex place women end up disappearing you know mysterious deaths occur and there's like the, ch- the church where Tom Hiddleston's character is the pastor or whatever they have like Essex serpenty carvings in the in the in the what are they mm. called the seats of the church. Yeah, the pews, um, the pews. Thank you. Um, so it's like that. You, so it builds up a steady pace, but completely compellingly. Yeah. Um, this idea that the locals think they're about to be terrorised by this Essex sea serpent. Claire Danes thinks there might be as well, and she's kind of investigating on an amateur historian slash whatever level. Yeah. He, Tom Hiddleston's character, even though he's a religious man, is very much the rationalist in the situation, is rejecting any idea. And he thinks it's compl- this is just a myth mm. that's gone on, mm. gone down through generations, but there isn't some giant Essex serpent at yeah. all, that there are other explanations for these strange happenings. But then other strange happenings start, start happening. <laughs> Thank yep. God this is, you can see I don't take notes. Um, <laughs> other strange occurrences start happening. People behave weirdly in this church yeah. etc and it's just all a big mystery is the is this is there really a this beast is it real is it are there other reasons why the people in this locale are going steadily crazy seemingly it's like rationalism versus religion versus myth it's fascinating you can completely see why um everyone's cast it why everyone wanted to be in it because it's a really intriguing idea yeah. and it's got but it's got a kind of depth to it and these are kind of multi multi-densely layered kind of ideas and themes in it that really is elevating to something special I think and as I began this my, my, my witcherings with just brilliantly directed by Claire Barnard I think she just does a fantastic job of making it like there are intimate moments where you know you feel like this. Uh, there's going to be romance flourishing, or there's definitely feelings flourishing yeah, yeah. Um, between Tom Hiddleston and Claire Danes. But she handles it all so kind of in such an interesting. It basically feels incredibly real. Yeah, uh, all of it, every yeah. step of the way. Yeah. And she's brilliant at making it seem so real. 
Can I read you yes. the Guardian's tweet okay. that they have literally just put out oh, about the show? Yeah, okay. Happening. The Essex Serpent. Such a slog. Surely <gasps> no one will make it past oh. episode one. Oh my God. There you go. Wow. Who wrote That's, that? I don't know. But oh. that, was, that was the Guardian's that, I am shocked. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But, but the thing is, like, I, I don't agree with that. Well, I, I actually, I, 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 they're probably not wrong. I think there is a certain amount, number of people who will not make it past episode one because this is, the word ponderous is negative. So I'm not saying it's not ponderous, but it is very deliberate. Yes. And in no rush. Yes. And it is steady and it is about tone and scene and there is a you know it's almost like an old school romance like a forbidden fruit romance that is so so slow building it doesn't even like there's literally a glance that is all there is of it in the first episode and it's not until you get beyond that that you see this almost sort of like chaste love affair between these two people who can't really have each other yeah. sort of blossom and it's a really slow yearning looks like the caress of fingers like yeah, things yeah, yeah. like that like it's not Bridgerton style like fucking on the furniture type stuff like this is <laughs> this is old school yeah. yeah and the whole thing as you say it's slow and it's moody and it draws you in in a really big way so yeah I, I do do think a lot of people probably will be like this is going absolutely nowhere I've been here for an hour I haven't seen one fucking dinosaur I am out you know I think that's probably going to happen it is like an art but, house film oh yeah it's like, a, it's like an episodic mm. TV art, uh, it's yeah. very arty and yet at the same time I found it very completely compelling but if you're going in expecting like a, a giant a CGI sea snake yeah, yeah. Uh, you're not going to get it no yeah. you're not no no yeah no I've only seen the first episode of this thus far with every intention of watching it further uh if anything for Claire Danes and Clio Barnard's direction. Um I just like that she's been given full what feels like full autonomy here. Yeah. Um as a fan of her films. Um it's bleak but not without its humanity, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah. And um yeah, just gorgeously shot. I'm thinking yeah, I'm just glad that she's been given that autonomy because I know of instances I'm thinking, for example, of when Andrew Arnold was brought on to Big Little Lies, for example, and there was that whole right. bust up, wasn't there, where yes. she was kind yes. of brought on um, to direct the second season mm. and then the, the, the kind of long-standing showrunner kind of egged in and did loads of, of changes kind of in post-production, whereas this feels like she's baked into to every shot, basically. Um, Tom Hiddleston I have a complicated relationship with. Um, he's got a very good voice. but he has I, an excellent voice. Yeah, mm. I do struggle, and I'm trying to think how to phrase this without getting fired, but he was the... <laughs> The thing I liked least about Loki is probably the most. Eh? Oh wow. my God, what is wrong with you? <laughs> James's little face is genuinely so crestfallen. Yeah, he, uh, yeah he, I am a Hiddlestoner through and through I and I'm having none of this. He's incredibly charming. We we ran a wonderful story with him uh, on this for, and it, it's great to see him. This is this is the big Loki follow-up. Um, and I can see why he's been cast in this. I mean, the, the, the introduction, you do have to laugh a little bit because Claire Dane's character um Cora first meets him and he's like knee, like ass deep in in a bog just like yeah. trying to wrench a, a, a sheep out of the bog and she has to help him and he's like help me you know like coughs <laughs> yeah. up to the elbows and he's like let's do this and you're like I, I get it I get it I get it he's very gruff and rude yeah mm. it is a meat um, cute in a bog though you're right it yeah. is yeah <laughs> With a with a goat, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> the goat's like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, but he is he is he is very very good in this. Uh, I just think Claire Danes is better 
Um, I know what you mean about him. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know what you mean. Yeah, but he, oh. I think he's definitely the, pre, the 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 man of the cloth element of it. I think yeah. suits him perfectly. Oh it's yes, the bog stuff. It's less posh priest. <laughs> yeah, a posh, posh, posh hot priest. You yeah. know, who's conflicted and and yeah, obviously trying to kind of wrestle with all these feelings and does that very well. I will watch anything with Hayley Squires in. I love oh, her in God, adult totally. material. Yeah. Um, and I'm really, I'm very interested more in there dynamic yeah, if yeah. anything so I'm interested to see what happens there um, yeah I, I thought this was uh, this was exceptional storytelling direction performances I will watch the rest of it Apple TV plus forever and the, oh, there's the whole <laughs> weird doctor guy the flirty doctor see, guy the, and oh, this, is, yeah, this is literally yeah, what I was about to yeah, say can yeah, we yeah, please yeah. talk about Frank Delane yeah. who is so creepy yes. in this but like he's creepy in a not a like scary he's creepy in a ooh ooh I need a shower kind of way like it's just oh, of course he's meant to, completely meant to be creepy he's brilliant yeah he's, he's, he's the, I mean First of all, he's like his whole shtick is is doing surgery on people as a show. A while show. I was going to say that was the most unsanitary procedure I've ever <laughs> ah, seen in yeah. my life. Yeah. It's like all these people in this room. This is not sterile. Yeah, what is happening? Yeah, that was surg- life, though. That's exactly yeah. how it was. Apparently, surgery was theatre. Yeah, back yeah. then, back in the, literally called. Yeah, that's that was like why a it's trip to theater. the pictures for them. That yeah, was, right. Uh, yeah, that, I loved all that stuff. But he is amazingly creepy. He's brilliantly creepy because he's literally like feels he has entitled to impose himself on mm. Claire Danes because yeah. you. Know, romantically and she's not having any of it thus yeah. far or she's kind of dealing with it brilliantly isn't she she's yeah. kind of like kind of uh, happy to have him as a friend yeah. to, to friend zone him yeah. but he, as far as he's <laughs> concerned he has the absolute right to be mm. with her yeah. and he's going to do his damnedest to make sure that happens so she's literally just come out of this abusive marriage and he's kind of like sliding on in there just being oh oh, awful yes not not, not a fan not a fan I just found the the Guardian review that you were um, talking about oh yeah oh let's not not indulge them I know all I'd say is it's a bit deliberately provocative okay brilliant okay they're being contrarian is that what you're saying that's my I mean I'm not I don't like you know that's my feeling yeah when you say, in a review, when you say, I'm one of the few people on earth who'll ever make it to episode two, you know, I mean, it's funny. Yes, but. but it's also a bit, it's that presumptuousness. Yeah. I do, I don't like that kind of reviewing when you kind of presume that everyone else must have been of the same mind as me. Mm. And even, I know it's jokey, but. I mean, I'm. I, I completely want. I was absolutely like, as soon as I finished the first episode, I wanted to carry on watching the rest. So I had completely the opposite reaction to it. Yeah. Anyway, Boyd, just... have you ever seen the Essex Serpent in Ilford? <laughs> I've seen. Um, some, I've seen some people who are pretty serpenty. Yeah, <laughs> right. But, okay. Um, not, the actual, not the actual. Not the actual. snakes in my life. Yeah, snakes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, many, many snakes in Ilford. Yeah. <laughs> not the plesiosaur. Uh, not this. Is Frank Delane the real Essex Serpent? That's the question. Oh, very good. Yeah. It's all subtext. All subtext. Anyway, (laughs) The Essex Serpent is now available, the first two episodes anyway, on Apple TV Plus and is dropping weekly thereafter because, of course, this came out last week but was embargoed so we couldn't review it. Next up, we have The Time Traveller's Wife, which is based on the hit novel by Audrey Niffenegger and following on from the Rachel McAdams Eric Banner film from, I want to say, about 2008, but I don't really know. Uh, This sees Rose Leslie as the titular spouse, and Theo James as the time traveller in question, exploring a series of, let's be honest, marital problems that most of us have never really contemplated. Beth, did did you have time for this? Did, did you like it? Beth, did you like it? What do you think, Beth? I Beth, tell us, I tell us about it. it. I love it. Did you have time for, time for the time traveller's wife? Yes. disappointment. You, <laughs> yeah. do, you just let yourself down. We should have done Life and Beth. <laughs> we yeah. should have done Life and Beth. Yeah. It was right there. It was staring us in the face. <laughs> 
Um, so to to sort of draw my early feelings on this, I want to hark back to one of my favourite episodes of this podcast, which is when we reviewed scenes from a marriage, which was oh, yeah. one of the real table turners of this, where I expected one of you to go one way, one of you to go the other, yeah. and it spectacularly flipped. And I remember... Boyd from the off taking issue from the very opening scene oh. where they're sort of stepping onto the set, they're oh, getting yeah. judged up for their in, for their yeah. performances, kind of self gratuity <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. Uh, that is how I felt for the opening of <laughs> this show. Um, like, and it's not indicative of my feelings for the rest of the show. I need to make this very clear. But the start of this show did it no fucking favors whatsoever. So it begins with both of them. Um, so this is Rose Leslie um, as Claire and Theo James as uh, Henry. Rose Leslie, obviously from Game of Thrones. Theo James, I can't think, he's going to be in the White Lotus season two, but I can't think what else to say he's from other than he was in the Inbetweeners film and he's the lad that got shit on his nose. <laughs> he's in the so, Divergent films. Oh, uh, that would yeah. be, that Which would be a more a bit sad like me, you've seen all of them. So have I. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, guys. So <laughs> Sorry. I'm, apparently Divergent. No, it's not Theo a boast. <laughs> it's not a boast. I mean, the main issue with those films, of course, they don't really seem to understand the difference between an abstract noun and an adjective but it's all fine yeah, it's that, all fine carry on that was the main issue that was the main films. issue I had with yeah. those films like pick one guys pick one alright well back to my main issue with this episode which was uh, <laughs> these two people uh, being recorded by an unseen person on a video camera you can tell because it's got the little beepy oh beepy god red light I mean that's corner. a relic of the 1990s isn't it yeah basically uh, but two of them Rose Leslie's character Claire visibly younger than oh what they've done to Theo James in this oh, <laughs> yes. the ageing makeup leaves little to be desired <laughs> They've Adam McKay the shit out of Theo James in this. So it's him old with a with, with a shitty wig. With talcum powder in his eyebrows. <laughs> eyebrows under like talcum powder on his face and all but just someone's just got an eyeliner and squiggled under his eyes. Um and that's that's your introduction to his character, Henry. Um and he's it's oh oh it's balmy shitty nonsense it's all like oh, you're really asking us when we first met <laughs> and then they're like laughing to nobody um and sort of answering questions about each other to this and that's how you, they're introducing obviously quite a baffling concept so he henry travels inexplicably through time he's got no control over it you blink he shows up in different points in her life they're contrasting ages all of the time there's a grooming joke early on guys I know you were worried yeah, um, yeah. I think they kind of have to put it in there yeah. to diffuse the ick factor yeah. which is very present yeah. at that point which is very present when uh, something like 32 year old Henry is speaking to like I'm going to say a 12 year old six yeah. she's literally she's six six years old I beg your pardon although the actress is clearly not six but that's yeah. not a hint yeah we've got a case of the Nicola <laughs> there. Uh, she's, she's 46 yeah. um, it was Nicola Coffin <laughs> That is that's astonishing casting. Um, so they're, they're sort of ricocheting through all these different timelines. So they do probably need something quite steady and, you know, from the off explaining the concept. But that that narrative <laughs> trick is fucking older than all of us combined, I'm pretty sure. Um, so it starts off really clunkily. And it's, yeah, these two of them kind of, you know, talking about how they love each other and, but it's, it's complicated, I guess, is the crux of what they're getting to. And then it does, you know, it goes to the real crux of these kind of multi-narrative shows, which are just like dominating everything at the moment. So, yeah, um, I've seen the first episode. 
they're both very charming. I'm so, so having not really seen Theo James in this, and he has to do a lot of heavy lifting with this as the person who has to kind of mansplain to his partner every 10. Yeah, and get his arse out in every other scene. Oh, yeah. Lots of bum. Oh, so much bum. High bum count. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, has to essentially go through various points. Actually, that's unfair to see a man's plane. They sort of have to explain to each other in various points of their lives why they, they're in each other's lives kind of over and over again. Um, and he's very charming, actually, and pulls off a good, because he's he's American in this, although he's obviously uh, British. So he, he pulls off a, an, an admirable American accent. As does Rose Leslie. As mm. does Rose Leslie. Um, so they're sort of ricocheting back and forth. But yeah, it's... I'm gonna maybe see another episode of this because I know I well, know that hooks is what it's 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 it's, it's. The, so the concepts obviously got a lot of mileage and we're gonna find out more about the characters and it ends on a real fucking punch that I didn't really see coming. Um, that the Henry Theo James character kind of has to deal with something to do with himself. So, oh, I'm going to stop talking. Cause I'm gonna but, <laughs> That's a deal with a big thing. Yeah. But yes. there's this thing about the fact that he's always leaving, he's always going where she can't follow. And I was like, I hope they kind of modernise this a little bit because the idea of this woman just sort of, this beautiful, talented, it's, it's fucking Rose Leslie, you know? It's Rose Leslie being Rose Leslie, being very charming and, and formidable and cool. Uh, and the idea of her just hanging about waiting for him to show up again I'm like well I hope they kind of modernise this a little bit so that she's perhaps got a little bit more agency and then within the first 15 minutes of this her voiceover kicks in and so I wait and I wait and I wait and I'm just like oh just move on girl <laughs> just 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 it's like you know it's this whole thing and there's all these like forlorn shots of her drinking a wine at a table for one <laughs> and just sort of staring off and you don't really see it she's wearing some nice jumpers and like she's like reading in a book and it and only seems to like again I've only seen this first episode but it just feels like every scene she's in she is essentially waiting for this person to show up again or surprised when this person shows up or sort of comes to life when this person shows up in her life and I just I wanted to see something a bit more contemporary when it came to that dynamic but then it might do that in the rest of the show maybe I'm being unfair but that that seemed a little bit stuffy to me to be honest when especially when you've got someone as charismatic as Rose Leslie kind of carrying this character um so yeah just felt a little bit stuffy and have either of you read the book yes no. You've read the book, and yes. have you seen the film? Yes. Okay, so I, funnily enough, I've not read the book or seen the film. So, so okay, boy, how, as someone who's quite versed in this, because the book yeah. is a big deal, isn't yeah. it? Like, it was Huge, massive. Yeah. yeah. Um, my memory of it is that the, the book, I think, so the book, first of all, is very much, has it takes its time to take on the idea of what would it really be like, funnily enough, at what, what you're talking about, for a woman to have as her partner a time traveller. Yeah. And so a lot of it is kind of about why is she still why is she still waiting for him at various points? Why you know, why does she do that? It's kind of like uses the, the device, the idea, as a way of exploring s s some women wait on their partners anyway. Do you know what I mean? Even if they're yeah. not time travellers. Some women should leave 
and should get out of a situation yeah, or should they? It's like it's weighing up that dilemma, if you like. Yeah. It's, a lot of it is about her dilemma um, and how to deal with this extraordinary situation. Um, but that really all often relationships are extraordinary and difficult and challenging. And yeah. So there's a lot of that going on in the book from my memory. I remember yeah. while we were reviewing it on the radio and thinking it's a really clever way of yeah. looking at relationships using that thing. Yeah. And also a lot of the book is just kind of as I say, taking the time to go, well, what this, what would this situation, what would the ramifications be yeah. of this fucking insane situation? Yeah. And that's why I think it really works as the TV. The, the problem with the film was it was kind, it took all of the, it's, it's a gutsy, full-on um, book, you know, it's, it, with, the, with the, the nuts and bolts of it. The film was like a blandified version of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, and to the point where I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was like a PG-13 or whatever film. It was like a fam, almost family friendly. And I think the whole idea that the reason why Stephen Moffat wanted to do this show was to t- to to take the essence of the book to make, to keep the adult very adult you know um uh, stuff from the book the sex and the and, and the swearing there's a lot of swearing and the new all of that and the I trauma mean, Alec, you get to see Eric Banner's ass quite a lot in the film but oh my god as you say this is the time traveler's ass I mean <laughs> this is you know Theo <laughs> James I don't know whether they used a bum double or whether in the in the you know casting they're like Theo, Theo you just have to spend get your show us your ass yeah. a lot of the I was about time. To say, do you yeah. reckon they have a like a like a like a buns audition where they go, Theo, I'm well, afraid you're gonna have to whip it out because we need to see to get his butt out. Yeah. And if he didn't and they have used a butt double and I don't think they have, then the butt double deserves like fifty percent of yeah. his salary. Yeah. Um so but but I think the whole I think Stephen Moffat, as we know, is obsessed with time. And he's not only in Doctor Who, obviously, which is literally adventures in time and space, and he was the most timey wimey obsessed Doctor Who showrunner ever mm. even in like Sherlock they played with time all the way through it as well yeah. he loves nothing better he is Mr. Fucking Time when it comes to so it totally you know in the same way that I was saying that Clio Barna was the perfect director for except he is yeah. the perfect writer f- to adapt this book yeah. 100% yeah. Yeah. and I think it's got a lot of his humour that the wry kind of reality the wryly funny reality of what it must be like in this unbelievably ridiculous situation is all there in this first episode I saw, I've watched half of the second episode as well and I think it, it, it there's so much to explain in this first episode. It's almost headache-inducing a yeah. bit because he really, you know, and, and as you say, that device of the opener, that that uh, the interview straight to camera. I wasn't a fan of the straight no. to camera interview stuff either. I have to say, and I didn't think it needed it either. No, I think it could have gone straight in. You would yeah. have been fine. But from each, this is a situation where, from each character's point of view, at different times in their life, they don't know what the fuck is happening to with the other one, yeah. and that and kind of making it clear why that is the case is is quite confusing unless you're a fucking expert in the way time works in time as Stephen Moffat absolutely is and why in the book she makes you she the book is so clever in making it clear mm. how it all works and what the situation is so I think it's a really smart so far from what I've seen uh, way of capturing the essence of the book I think I think fans of the book will really enjoy it and as I say but I think they're both really good you yeah know. yeah they are I, yeah. I, couldn't, I think the, for me the flaws are as you say the wigginess the makeupness mm. of those opening scenes introducing Theo James in old age makeup yeah, that's is a mistake a, I thought that was yeah. a mistake I agree with you that took me out of it but yeah. once you got over that I forgot about it thankfully because actually other iterations the one where he's the long hair version oh, that was that wig was totally fine also also <laughs> can you say that is excellent bell end hair yes yeah, totally he, he exactly. is a massive bell end yes. at that point and he exactly. has perfect bell end right. hair <laughs> completely and he, he's behaving like a bell end he is a bell end he's got yeah. terrible bell end hair um, so so far I think it's very very promising is what I'd say and uh, you know I'd say particularly if you're, if you're a fan of the book it's quite interesting like not all the reviews are out for this yet but the ones that are out are absolutely 
punishing really? Twilight level trite dialogue. No, no, like, really. I mean, it's had been absolutely savage. No, I haven't read anything. And yet. I Sorry. can understand no. why. And I think you know, straight out the gate, and it's it's a shame that it's not just the first episode because they come back to it again and again. This sort of like video diary testimonial shit <laughs> framing device <laughs> is so ill conceived. Like it's just disastrous. It's a relic. It is a relic. It feels I, I literally pulled out of another point in time and it just doesn't work and I think it alienates you from the story immediately now all of that said and I don't really quite know I, I loved this <laughs> I genuinely loved this so I like I don't know quite it's one of these things so I'm watching this and there's a part of me this is like I'm finding this really interesting from a kind of temporal point of view like I find the idea like of him meeting her and she knows him and he doesn't know her because she met him when she was a child which is problematic and he will meet her but hasn't met her yet even though she's met him like yeah. all that stuff yeah, is yeah. just fascinating mm. and how they navigate the dynamics of the fact that she's in love with him and has been since she was six but she's not in love with him she's in love with older him and he's younger buffer hotter him but he's still a bellend with bellend hair mm. and there's I think the thing about this is that I found the love story like going back to what we said about the Essex Serpent like it's ultimately a love story at the heart of it this is a love story and I'm a sucker for a really well told love story that I believe and I know it sounds ridiculous to believe one in which someone is a time traveller in the way they mean I know that's absurd but there's something about this that rang true to me and it really swept me up and I couldn't stop watching this I immediately went straight onto the second episode of this and I'm going to watch all of them because I think Rose Leslie is effortlessly charming and she's extremely good in this. But it just really sucked me in. And even though he's a bellend, you you know, he, there's a lot of trauma in his background and the device they use to show uh, where he is. So he'll go back in time and it'll have his age. And when mm, he's in multiple yeah. places, it'll have multiple ages. Mm. And it's just showing how he just overlaps with himself multiple times mm. and is a bellend a lot of the time. Um and it's what what that would ha what would happen. It's not even about the fact that he will just randomly time travel for no reason, just and then appear naked somewhere, and then have to beat up a random stranger and steal their clothes. Yeah. Like, it's not even just that and the trauma of that. It's what that kind of convoluted timeline would do to a person. Mm. And then yeah. the other person who lives a very linear existence, how her relationship with this object of affection who just drops in and out of her reality how that would really work and yeah I, I was really swept up in it I can't disagree that some of the dialogue is not the best uh, and it has some incredibly clumsy devices and some people might just say the love story is very very cheesy uh, and, but you know and maybe I'm just a bit of an old romantic for this sort of stuff but I, I really 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 enjoyed it I did I, I do think the dialogue is cheesy I, I, mean, I think it's got what it's got some great scenes where like, there's some quite long dialogues. It's the scene where they have, kind of do have that date, mm. if you like, the first date in the mm. restaurant where they're, they're chatting. That goes a long scene. It is. Um, but I think it sustained that scene really well. I think that's what Stephen Moffat does. He can do really long dialogue scenes between basically two people mm. and completely... I, so I don't... I, yeah, I think that's that's harsh. I didn't, I, I'm surprised the reviews of that. Yeah, well, hey, look, like I say, these are just the reviews that are out. Is it the from... same guy who wrote the review in the Guardian? Yeah, no, it's all, they're all American reviews, actually, at the moment. But, um, yeah, look, we'll see. But, I, yeah, like I say, I, I really enjoy this. I think it's a, it's an, an interesting story, well told. I will not lie, it had me in tears in the second episode. Oh, my God. So I found it, wow. I found it quite affecting. Uh, sorry, there is something I have forgotten. There is oh. something I have forgotten to mention about oh. the Time Traveller's Wife that I feel obligated to mention before okay. we move on to the next review. And it is, there is, there is a... <laughs> there is a 
scene in this of, shall we say, self-love, which I will never be able to unsee. <laughs> and that's really? all I'm going to say about that. Oh, my that. God. There is an episode two scene which will remain in my brain until the day I die. So, <laughs> oh, I haven't got to that bit yet. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there and say... That is quite special. Uh, but anyway, yes, that is uh, The Time Traveller's Wife, which does air on Sky Atlantic beginning on the 16th of May, where it airs at 9pm. Finally this week, we have Night Sky, starring J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek as an older couple whose secret is that their barn contains a door that transports them to another planet. Because of course it does. Uh, Boydie, what did you see in the Night Sky? Ah, very good. Um, this is weird, isn't it? So it's on Prime Video, um, this um, science fiction drama thing. And um, they've just, they've got Outer Range, which we failed to review on the show. Yes. So you're probably furious. I am still furious about it. Josh Brolin cipher, which I think, I believe that I still haven't watched it, listeners. And a lot of people have said we should watch it. Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah. That's like a sci fi thing where he's a farmer and he finds like some kind of portal to another world, maybe. Sure. Maybe because I haven't seen it. It's 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 along those lines. Yeah. It seems very similar. That's what I'm saying. The premise of that to this, which is like a fairly rural couple, this very rural couple played by Sissy Spacey and J.K. Simmons, have in their shed, effectively, <laughs> a portal to another world. And they can just sit there of an evening in their chairs, in this kind of like, um, in the kind of their bit, look, with looking out over the uni- this alien world, yeah. which is beautiful, and it's kind of designed by like Hypnosis, who did the covers of Yes albums, similar to the Avatar kind of, you know, that kind yeah. of same avatarish quality yeah. of sci-fi, beautiful sci-fi landscapes yeah. and all of that. It's all very quite hippie-ish kind of like vibe of as to what they're watching. Yeah. But they don't ever enter into that world. They just kind of sit there watching it, watching mm. the night sky of this of this alien world. And then you're slowly, and I emphasize the word slowly. Now, now you were going on about how slow, deliberate mm. the the um, Essex Serpent was. Well, I thought this is even more deliberate. Yeah. This is really slow-paced. Would I you felt. say ponderous? I think this does tip into ponderousness. <laughs> I do feel that way. I'm like... The, the, episode one just steadily, slowly stretches out the, their situation of the kind of revealing this place where in their own shed where they can look at this thing. And it teases out the fact that they both are, you know, they're getting older. His memory is going a bit. He forgets to pick her up from her hospital appointment. Mm. She's got some medical issues that she kind of is keeping secret from him. They're, you know, but there's a kind of, it's lovely to see yeah. an old couple depicted in that way, in many ways, that romance you're talking about. Mm. And there are flashbacks to how they met, which I thought were, you know, clever and convincing and believable. Then in episode two, I did carry on watching. I wanted to watch more. Episode one le- leaves you on a on a kind of big, big cliffhanger because a, a new character arrives mm. without spoiling it. In fact, it doesn't spoil it because a new character arrives and you don't really know who he is. Or <laughs> you don't know anything about, yeah. anything about him. Yeah. Um, then suddenly in episode two, you're taken to Argentina. Of course you are. And there's a whole oh, different no. world. Did you get this far? No. Oh, yeah. No. There's a whole no. different thing going on no. with the connection of which slowly, deliberately, somewhat ponderously, <laughs> it become, eventually becomes clear what the connection is between the family in Argentina and these people. And then you're introduced to another set of characters. No, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> That <laughs> so, is out. Yeah, you're already <laughs> out. Just purely on my own description yeah. of what happens steadily in episodes two, uh, episode two as it goes yeah. on. Um, I do. I mean, it's beautifully filmed. It's got. A, it's got everything about it. Has got a kind of premium, uh, you know, peak TV vibe to it. But 
it is ponderous. Oh, it really is. It, everything took too long. Yeah. And even to the point where, you know, there are scenes of like just kind of acoustic guitar-y, swirling strings when there isn't that much happening on screen it's almost like I felt they're very much where they're really punching up the action and I use that in heavy quotes mm -hmm. the the just what's happening is often is they're going for a long slow walk in, <laughs> in the garden or they're having a long slow drive and someone in a tractor stops them they pull over and that might take 10 minutes when it could have been done <laughs> <laughs> going to be done in about 10 seconds, you know. And then but then there's this lush, like, guitar-y sweeping strings you know, over the top to kind of somehow make it feel more dramatic. I just think they've erred on the side of the slowness in this one. It's too much for me. If if, if the reviewer thought that, that um, you know, the Essex Serpent was never going to get to episode two, I mean, I did get to episode two. It's more like to actually show myself how, where is it going? I want to yeah. know, just speed, will it speed up a bit in episode two? It speeds yeah. up a bit. It's just a bit much, though, how slow it is. Well, you've lost me there. You've completely lost me because <laughs> right. I haven't watched the second second episode. And you know, you never will. No, I never fucking will. <laughs> but you did, you did. Then, then this, this. Because this is what my qualm was with Station Eleven. And I'm sorry, like the number of like listeners have been like, stick with it. And I'm like, I ain't got the fucking time. I got the fucking time to go for eight hours yeah. to get back to the bit I care about to see what Laurie Petty's up to. I can't, oh, that's so annoying. Like we, I have the show notes and things up in front of me when I like, talk about these shows obviously yeah. and I'm like looking at the casters now and I don't know who half of them are and now that makes sense because you go off to like four <laughs> yes. different worlds before you get back yeah. to and that's a shame because you've got Sissy Spacek J.K. Simmons yeah, yeah. doing like veterans like two incredibly talented watchable lovely presences I mean not J.K. Simmons and Whiplash let's be honest but here you know are like a lot softer and sweeter and there is it's it's a sad opening episode where they're you know very much aware of their age and their ailments and their devotion to each other while also not wanting to be a burden to each other and I thought that was incredibly sweet and well realised and well written and well performed and then it's got this kind of genre edge to it, which is also kind of, you know, this metaphor for maybe letting go and, you know, wanting to detach and belong to somewhere other than where they are. And I thought that that held real promise. And now you've just come in. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm glad because I'm going to waste my time. <laughs> you might be intrigued by the Argentinian family. I'm like, don't get me wrong, I've got nothing against Argentinians. Like, I'm going to say that now. But do you know what I mean? I, I want to continue down that road with those people and then maybe have that other story weave its way in when we're a little bit more invested in this one. But the fact that it just cuts and goes somewhere else and you're expected to kind of hang in there when it's a beautiful story. It's not one that's going to keep me hanging in for another two hours they're an hour each I'm not going to watch oh, yeah. another two hours to come yeah. back to this and see J.K. Simmons and Susie Spacek just being sad again like <laughs> I, I don't want I don't. Well, interestingly the director is Juan Jose Campanella who is Argentinian himself and I right. haven't really read the full full details this is a completely new story it's not based on it no, I don't think so, so right. I think that might be part of it that he you know he's, the film he did The Secrets in the Rise is a, I love that film they made a terrible American remake of it yeah, but, but his that original I think he directed, might have directed the remake as well that original is brilliantly directed yeah. and actually for, for a credible amount that's packed into yeah. like two and a half hours there's a, one of the great scenes on, on the absolutely brilliant scene in that film have you seen it where there's they're trying to find um, someone in a crowd and, and they it, he's in a football stadium and they're literally this incredible like helicopter shot swooping down into this football stadium and, and honing in on the one person there oh, it's like wow. it, it's like an incredible ambitious brilliant shot yeah. and he doesn't he, I don't feel like what he's brought to this is really evidence of his great skills <laughs> as a director because if 
anything, he should have certainly snapped up the base. And can I just say about J.K. Simmons? I didn't think he was that great. I think she's amazing. You wash your mouth out. I, I, nah. I don't think I, I think he's much better playing a complete bastard. Right. Yeah, Oz. Well. Um, counterpart. Well, my whole thing is this: if you want to watch a sci-fi with J.K. Simmons, watch both seasons of Counterpart, which is absolute nailed-on five-star entertainment. It's fucking brilliant. Go and watch it now. Right, but I don't think he's that great at playing this uh, kind of a sweet person. I, I didn't. I didn't, maybe it's because I'm used to. Well, I he just, plays sweet and bastard in Counterpart, right, yeah, which is I why know, it's so brilliant. Yes, definitely <laughs> watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. But here is he's being sweet. I, I don't. I couldn't quite get. I couldn't get horrible J.K. Simmons out of my right, mind because okay. he's brilliant at playing horrendous Nazi bullies. He, I mean. He, I, He's very versatile. He's great is he range. Versatile? Yes, yes, he's he is. Do you know about fifty million times? Oh, okay. Yeah, Gino. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, Gino. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll A man has that. range. Okay, um, I take it back. Yeah, this yeah. is well boring. Um, <laughs> 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 I mean, it's sweet. It's, it's lovely. Well it's got great performances, but it's well boring. <laughs> like, like the sci-fi uh, thing is literally they look out of a window and that's like, <laughs> so. I'm not not being funny. Not being funny. That is not science fiction for me. I don't want your science fiction window. I want shit happening. Yeah. So, um, and, and if you're going to make me wait, spend two hours in Argentina before yeah. I can find, no, I'm with Beth, like, I'm out, no. I'm done, finished. To confirm, I don't hate Argentina, I hate shows. Famous, famous Argentinophobe, Beth Webb. No, I resent any show that makes me take a two-hour detour to get back to where I want it's to be. I love Argentina, inter- I love Argentina. By the Argentina. way, it does intercut really, with, with them still. Right. It's, all, it's, not, it's not all about Argentina. Right. right. It just brings in. Right, okay. Let me just make that clear. Never going to find out. Anyway. I wonder now whether Outer Range is like a whiplash, you know, fast-paced thing with, you know, I'm, I might try I mean, Outer Range maybe it now. is. Maybe I'm going to watch that instead. But if they've I commissioned just... two ponderous science fiction. <laughs> God. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Similar premises. That's that quite a lot, isn't it? <sighs> yeah. Well, Night Sky drops on Prime Video on the 20th of May. What else is out this week, Boydy, other than Life and Beth, which you've said is, you know, fabulous. Disney Plus is Wednesday. Should have reviewed it. Spreadsheet on Channel 4 yes. on the 18th at 10pm. Which is supposed to be really good with Catherine Parkinson. With the Catherine Parkinson, yes. Parkinson, Australian comedy about her relationships, um, that she has a spreadsheet to keep track mm. of her men. I think it's an inherently funny idea. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to that. Is that when is that? Oh, four, Channel 4 Wednesday. Yep. Um, there is Floodlights, which is a feature-length one-off drama, not a film, <laughs> on BBC Two on Tuesday, which is about the true story of um, a, a, a professional footballer who unearthed, who suffered sexual abuse from his trainer, his football club, and then opened up a whole world that this was happening a lot in the oh, world of wow. football. It's a massive scandal yeah. that um, that people working with on youth teams Oosh. were abusers. Yeah, and this is it deals with that whole thing. Right, um, Gerard Kearns from Shameless in it is the main role um, I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch uh, I think that might be about it to be honest uh, there is on. season 25 oh, of Silent sorry. Witness oh, <laughs> if yeah, anyone's sorry. into that <laughs> yes, season that's... 25 yeah people love a bit of Silent Witness oh yeah. wow yeah that's a, that's a lot of Silent Witness and Love Death and Robots apparently is back on the 20th for a third season on Netflix the show that we did not enjoy at all the David Fincher exec produced Indeed. different types of animation yeah. shows. Some of those, if you remember, one there's an episode. episode yeah, you, you were saying the ones we saw at the very beginning were yeah. very, frankly, puerile and misogynist. Yes. But yes. it gets better. There's an episode. Of, yeah. there's there's one story in episode two with about a giant naked body on a on a beach that is fantastic. The time traveller's ass. The time traveller's ass. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Nice. That's yeah. good. Good. Right. What's our pick of the week? Essex um, Serpent. Essex yeah, Essex Serpent. Yeah. Mine is a time traveller. Surely yours is Life and Beth Boyd. 
Oh, Life and Beth. We didn't review that. Of yeah, course. but you're allowed, to, you're allowed to have it as your no, pick okay. of the week. It's out this week. Beth. I also right. like Time Traveller's Wife. Okay. Time Traveller's Wife is mine because it's lovely. Oh, God. <laughs> um, right, right. That is it for this week's show. As ever, if you enjoyed it, we do please ask that you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the platform of your choice. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Pilot TV Pod, and as regular humans at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Beth K. Webb. Next week, as discussed, Beth is off on her Downton retreat to the south of France, so we won't <laughs> see her for a little while. But don't worry, Beth, it's fine, it's fine, because as we've discussed as well, Halo and Star Trek Strange New Worlds are still a few weeks away, so you won't miss out on those, and you oh, still Diane. very much have oh, them Diane. to look forward to. Live long and prosper. Pilots out. SNL, once you're on the show in 2005, you said that there's this thing with funny people where you think that if you're not good at this, you're not good at anything. That is kind of true. It was like the only two things I growing up that I had confidence in was I'm funny and I, I really think I can make a movie. And then the funny thing is it never really changed. <laughs> You know, when you get to SNL and your whole worth, do you know what I mean, is being funny. You get there and then you're doing stuff and you're not, it's not funny. And then you can get in your head and then go, oh my God, maybe I'm not good at this stuff. I'm not funny, you know. Did you feel like that in the early days where you, where you didn't think you were funny? Yes. And a lot of that was just getting confidence and kind of realizing like, oh, everybody has ups and downs. And it was kind of helpful for me to f see people that I did find funny, like Fred Armisen or Will Forte bomb you know, or you would see Steve Martin come back and host and do a thing that didn't work and go, huh. And I would, so I got to study that and go, okay, this is just part of the process is failing. And, and then it became a little easier. This anxiety, it's, as you've said, pervasive in those SNL years. And I have to say, there's such a stunning disconnect between the joy you're bringing people at home versus the kind of pain it seemed to be causing you you know a lot of it's like the anticipation of it the anticipation of going out the anticipation of five minutes to air you i just would go to the place where I'm like i'm gonna pass out julian assange cold open i mean if you watch that i can tell i'm trying to hide myself into this wine glass that they gave me because that cold open was given to me like that day and seth myers it was a thing you would show up and seth myers would go hey you're julian assange in the cold open and i would just full on spin out the thing that would calm me down is just read it over and over and over again to the point where i really get it and i would know what i was supposed to do and i would get the rhythms right and everything and then between dress and air they change it all <laughs> <laughs> that night i think it's december 10th of 2010 jeff bridges is hosting yeah jeff bridges gives you some advice that night that seems like you listen to and carry with you into yeah the next chapter. it was huge yeah and I got a chance to tell him this on the red carpet at the Golden Globes. I saw him and went over and and said, hey, man, you said this to me. And he was like, I said what? You know, and I said, you said, uh, he said, you know, I worked with Robert Ryan and Robert Ryan before every take would start sweating. And I said, wow, after all these years, you still get afraid. And he said, oh, I'd be really afraid if I wasn't afraid. And he was like, that fear, like, that's your buddy. 
that's your friend. Like you take that with you and don't push it away. When you push it, it makes it worse, you know? And that really hit me and it was very gracious and I just, that was huge. I can hear Jeff Bridges saying, it's your buddy. Yeah. It's your buddy, man. (laughs) Could you imagine? 